Hello, campers, and welcome to Camp of Cult. What happens when the suburban dream turns into the suburban nightmare? Tonight, as always, I'm your host, Summer Rose, and today we have with us... It's Tyler. And Shane. All right, today we'll be discussing Tobe Hooper's and Steven Spielberg's classic cult hit, Poltergeist. The story of a well-to-do, well-to-do suburban family whose uh, youngest daughter seems to be experiencing some paranormal goings on and then everything kind of like she hits yeah, the fan seems to be <laughs> seems to be they start doing oh, the that goddamn was the presidential closet. theme not the fucking <laughs> i'm a fucking stupid piece of shit no it's a, it's good this I'm, is going exceptionally well oh this is yeah. great this is great yeah um what Everybody was help me? How does the national anthem go? Let's dun 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 dun. dun no, that's wait. the presidential theme. Oh, dun 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 dun. Yeah, that one. Wait, da 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 Yeah, yeah. And the raucous red glare. Mm-hmm. America sucks. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Freedom of speech is nice though. Um, I mean, for as long as we have it. Uh, so initial thoughts on the film. Like, what was, like, your first reaction whenever you first saw this as a kid or just revisiting the movie overall? So I would say, re- like, first watching this as a kid, the the things that I remember most uh, vividly were the clown sequences. Oh, because yeah. Because the clown doll is very uh, effective. Oh, yeah. I did vaguely remember the, uh, like, the closet <laughs> no, the uh, we're I not sponsored. <laughs> we're not sponsored. I don't want that's the loudest. That's the loudest cup. <laughs> yeah. So definitely the I remember vaguely like the closet scene and being like, oh, there's like something that occurs. I think I vaguely remember like the the uh, the like everything being taken into the closet, but I never like understood it as like a wormhole, like a gateway to the other side, which is a nice weird touch. And I did remember. The uh, obviously that they're here because it's scary as shit. Like yeah. the, the child actress they got is uh, they had to do that take so many times because Spielberg wanted to be perfect, mind mm-hmm. you. He wasn't directing on yeah. this, but like if you look at every documentary, every cast interview, even like the um, like the little uh, paranormal documentaries mm-hmm. that talk about the curse, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say toward the end of it, Haunted. like toward the end of it, I want to talk about the curse once we get Poor done shit. with like the meat of the film. Um, because they they pulled a lot of bullshit <laughs> behind the scenes, but yeah, like Spielberg was pretty much backseat directing on this. I mean, I could, I could imagine. Oh that yeah, I easily being. The I was case. waiting for ET to come out from behind the yeah. couch or something. Well, so the, so like what I so in the intro, after like they have like the static on the TV, the presidential mm-hmm. theme, the we you know the dad like mindlessly like passed out like mm-hmm. obviously drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Like in front of the TV, and then like the little girl, like you know, going up yeah. with her hands on it. Oh, like and um, of course, like the or we the, the dog and the earthquake don't happen until afterwards. No, but yeah, like no. just that sequence, and then followed by this really cheerful intro that has like this childlike wonder, like kind of yeah. score reminiscent of um, his other suburban fantasy. Yeah, it's, films. It's, it's very Spielbergian. Yeah, yeah, it's very like if you. If I had to just guess, I would have guessed Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. at least has heavily that. influenced yeah. by, which is, again, when you figure out he wrote it and was. Which season buried. of Stranger Things are they going to rip off this movie wholesale? It's eh, probably coming up. 
Wholesale or wholesale? Wholesale. Wholesale. <laughs> yeah. Um. We love a callback. We love a callback. <laughs> we love a callback. I didn't even realize it was a callback. Oh, until yes, now. it was. Um, yeah, I, I really liked like the opening like uh, sequence of like the the really bright happy trees, except mm-hmm. for the one spooky tree. Yeah. And so you have like this really nice like it very much reminds you of like the Goonies. It reminds you of um, of E. T. And it's like you have the man riding the bicycle with like mm-hmm. this overarching like theme, mm-hmm. and it's like oh everything's all nice and light. This is like another you know suburban fantasy. Everything's yeah. super lighthearted. And then we start yeah. building. Yes, this is like, as yeah. if you didn't read the title of the movie as you were walking into the theater. Yeah. Which, which I think my point with that is, is it lends so much of building this like air of comfort, this air yeah. of like, mm-hmm. even though you just saw this really weird shit, kids do weird shit, it's mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there's like this really comforting like family like. Mm-hmm montage of like them going throughout their days not a montage really um i'm fumbling for words here Mm -hmm. but it creates Mm -hmm. this uh feeling of comfort in this like community the stupid like uh domestic argument between him and his neighbor the over remote like the duel. TV remote. So yes. i have yeah. a note about the remote duel that i thought was really interesting because i um there's a youtuber called collective learning and he mm-hmm. did a really good deep dive in some of the psychological aspects of this film and he brought up a really good point and it was like the same thing that i was kind of feeling whenever watching this is that we have like the weird disturbance of like the tv and the static and like the mm-hmm. little girl and then we follow that up with like this really nice, nice, like very comical, lighthearted scene of like the dueling remotes. But that is that could be connected to like the, the you know, the electronical disturbance of like the TV moving in moving channels independently or being like on the same thing. That could also be viewed as like a spiritual occurrence as well. The what I got out of it is just like this idyllic American dream of having a home in the suburbs but you're literally so close to your neighbor that his TV remote switches the channels on yours. Yeah. Which I was thinking about a lot and uh, how fucking miserable that would be to live that close to somebody. That guy and his kid looked like nightmare neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you cannot borrow a cup of sugar, dickhead. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, because I kind of like, you know, it kind of ties into like, okay, this is like the ideal nuclear family. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, not everything's going to be perfect. And within that, like, the family in and of itself is, it also kind of, it both plays into and subverts that subgenre, that trope of, oh, well, they're just, like, a nuclear family. Because they all get along with, like, relative ease. Even with their, because, uh, well, he's got to smoke weed. Oh, yeah, he's, <laughs> they're smoking weed and they're reading, they're reading Reagan. <laughs> well, and like, I, I have a note about this, and I, I'll come back to that later mm-hmm. if we dive more into the scene where the parents mm-hmm. are smoking weed. I, I, because I, I love scene. that scene. Yeah, but even just getting into that, the idea of, like, these are very, uh, the family in and of itself, they are, like, the sort of classical, like, nuclear family in that they really do seem to, like, love and care for each other. And it's it's showcased throughout the film. And I think the they progresses. do that as a way to kind of, like, help us establish an emotional bond with the family. Because mm-hmm. they're taking us throughout their everyday life, and it's so very nonchalant, like, the arguing at the table, like, you know, the children mm-hmm. arguing over nothing. Yeah. And then, like, the glass breaks, but they just, like, okay, they look over mm-hmm. it. The dueling remote, you know, like, the TV is is acting up. Oh, okay, well, we look over it. Mm-hmm. The bird dying. Mm-hmm. And then being 
buried only to have it brought back up yeah. like that you know it's yeah. like this is all like casual bonding moments where kids mm-hmm. are learning about death they're learning about how to manage a stressful situation they're feeding the dog underneath the table but while this is happening they're having these subtle like little bitty spiritual or could be taken as like spiritual like uh inconveniences so that are just so minor and so small that they look over it or they overlook it not really thinking anything about it only for it to build up and kind of hit them all at once it's weird and it happens very weird and it like it and that kind of helps the audience like spook the audience you know make like the scares even bigger because they've been in our face the entire time like this buildup has been in our face the entire time but we were so invested in the family that mm-hmm. we totally look over it and mm-hmm. we totally forget that we're watching a horror film and not another family film. You know, they have the, the foreshadowing moments uh, really play heavily and you don't really, they're, they're done very uh, in an upfront manner. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, Tweety, like mm-hmm. being dug back up as the pool's being installed. Uh, they put things that where it's like, oh, this just seems like it's talking about sort of like the idea of like, okay, well, even though like they went and did this very like careful like learning process for the child about death that uh society in a way is kind of like rough and brutal and you can't mm-hmm. really like, protect innocence that long yeah. uh but also it does play into another very important plot point later on of uh, yeah uh development in cemeteries <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh yeah like that was like the most like subtly anti-capitalist thing that they could kind of put in there <laughs> without it being oh, subtle. It's it's not so subtle as you get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, on the parents smoking weed, I couldn't help but notice that the mother was reading Carl Jung and I think she was reading, if I could have, if I made it out correctly, A Man and His Symbols, which is really interesting because there is a lot of symbolism here. I mean, in a completely rational approach, Moving the headstones from a graveyard and leaving the bodies there. There's no real meaning to that. It's kind of whatever. The headstones are there to like commemorate that someone was buried there. You know how many graves have no headstones? Mm-hmm. How many like mass graves there are? There's no real, mm-hmm. like rationally thinking, there's not a lot to do there. Probably a lot of houses are built on graveyards. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Go check. Um, and the husband is reading uh, some book about fucking Reagan. Rest in fucking fire. Fuck Reagan. Um, well, it makes me think it might have been like an anti-Reagan thing. or I don't know. No, no. It was it was a pro-Reagan book. You could tell by all the American flag colors. Um, but he's reading something more like grounded in reality. He's reading something mm-hmm. that is the rational. She is reading something that is the irrational. And we see through the film, in the beginning, the wife is far more open to Mm -hmm. the paranormal goings on and he's more reserved until he sees like i don't know his kids slide across the fucking floor oh yeah Yeah. that line that's like yeah i want i want you to go back to a time before we were we were married and you were more open-minded yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that kind of ties into them smoking weed because they could have easily been old hippies and he became more conservative as they got older yeah so it's it's strange how much, and this is a little bit of a tangent, it's strange how much Young comes up in things like this. Yeah. It, I mean, maybe it's just the nature of his, like, research, quote-unquote. Mm. This one's for you, Gabriel. <laughs> but there's just this sort of... 
it is the collective unconscious. I mean, mm-hmm. those ideas are going to come up irregardless of whether you like stamp Young's name on it or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. The idea of attaching sentiment and meaning to these headstones and these mm-hmm. symbols yeah. has meaning no matter what. We've been mm-hmm. burying our dead ritualistically for a very, and very, we very long and time. We consider uh, the buried to be and to cemeteries or the idea of it. It's, it's sacred. A sacred. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a sacred thing. Unless it comes to money. Then we just like, oh, oh I don't yeah, care. Let's yeah. just build on top of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the missing chapter. Of, you the, idiot. of man and his symbols is none of this matters if you can make a buck. Yeah. No, I think this film, uh, and it does, like we talked about earlier, up until, and uh, major plot points. So we have from the opening to about like the probably f- like 10 f- or 15 minute mark, there's this, it's, we get like pieces of the paranormal, but we don't really have like, it starts to amp up as he comes home from work, and mm-hmm. she's like, because we we start seeing as her day goes on, as the workers are working on the pool, oh, there's like paranormal happenings like inside the house now. She not, turns around to like yeah. do something, kitchen turns back around. There's like a pyramid of, of chairs. chairs. Yeah, on the, the little girl's like staring way too close to the TV, mm-hmm. looking at static. Yeah. She's only wanting to and watch so static. It's it's that idea now of well, there's been the the crossing over event where now they are inside the realm of the home, and they are. Uh, Originally, it is originally. It does seem like this is just attention-seeking behavior, and then so it is almost very childlike in that way. Of it's well, we can't really speak out to you, so we're going to do things that get you to notice us, and then it still feels like not really like a horror film. It almost is more of like kind of this like mystery thing where it's like, okay, well, these entities sort of seem like they aren't harmful in a way which again the title gives away that they are and we're like primed for that we're primed for okay something's going to occur here Mm -hmm. but then we don't get that until later that night when uh the arborist and the audience will hate us but uh fuck trees in this movie oh my (laughs) god so like here's my thing if i set my kid down on the floor and see them just get pulled across the room Mm -hmm. first thing i'm doing honestly getting a marble Getting now, a level, the, seeing did, if the house is level. Did second, the, the, oh, sorry. Like second that. thing I'm doing is I'm getting the fuck out of the house. These people reacted way too calmly to this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I well, would be yeah. out. And I think the dad probably tried to rationalize it by maybe trying to see if, like, you know, like there was some weird kind of, like, maybe, like, the house was on. Yeah, that's what I was talking about yeah. is, like, first thing I'm doing, seeing if the house is level. Mm-hmm. Second thing I'm doing, getting the fuck out. Right. And uh, did that come after or before they had like the whole earthquake scene where they have like the hands coming out of the TV and then um, going that straight was into the wall? the morning before mm-hmm. because they're like laying in bed and that morning as he's getting ready for work, everybody's having breakfast. The glass shatters mm-hmm. mysteriously. Yeah. He's like calling somebody like, how could you miss like a 7.2 earthquake? Yeah. The, like the bedroom is damaged. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, which then it brings the idea of okay, this home is like a liminal space mm-hmm. where it's now existing in in and of itself. Which then it's it's a little confusing at first, but they do a really good job of sort of portraying it, especially with again it starts out small with you have originally just the experience of the of Caroline, the daughter, the, the the youngest daughter with the television and the communication between the uh, mm-hmm. entities, the spirits. And the other realm, and then with the, uh, with then them coming into the realm, into the world, 
and doing the small things like the breaking of the glass, the mm-hmm. moving of things, the uh, assembling of furniture, and then the the moving items a- a- away and around. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes from the uh, it takes a very sharp turn from the daytime to the nighttime because we go from the uh, very like benign acts of just like sort of paranormal haunting or what we can be considered paranormal haunting of like, okay, this is just things are moving around. Uh, this is obviously like very like it's, it's just happening. I can like observe it. So then uh, a tree tries to eat their son. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like, um, before, like before we have like the, the tree scene, we have this really um, sweet bonding scene of um, the children being scared. That there's a thunderstorm. This is mm-hmm. while the parents are smoking weed. Yeah. And so, like, the little, the kid, like, walks in on the parents, you know, mm-hmm. doing Donald Duck impersonations in the yeah. bedroom and being all high. I love and, it when you talk dirty. You know, and just, like, you know, just kind of, like, you know, being young, being fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, the kid comes in and Greg T. Nelson, uh, Steve, mm-hmm. <laughs> Steve, my dad's name is Steve. Steve kind of puts, uh, you know, uh, the little kid on his back. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, sitting there and they're counting like okay, lightning strikes and they're counting until mm-hmm. when it thunders, and um, obviously it doesn't you know doesn't work. So they end up crashing and sleeping in bed with the family. Mm-hmm. Again, this is like a very like universal experience like for parents and children. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of puts us in this mindset of well now we're empathizing with the parent, and we're also feeling some like connection especially since this is made for older people we're mm-hmm. you know we're having some kind of paternal instinct toward the children yeah and also wanting to keep them safe and then that gets um we come back to that before we get to the tree scene mm-hmm. where he's looking at this tree this big menacing tree that he's mm-hmm. already tried to climb yeah he's trying to get comfortable with it and he really kind of has like the first big um big encounter mm-hmm. uh in his traumatized because as he's trying to count for the storm, you know, making sure the storm gets further away. We just have a branch smash through the window and just take him in and starts eating him. Poor Robbie. <laughs> poor, poor Robbie. And then this is, this entire, this movie is. A chainsaw would fix so much. It plays so well into this idea of, uh, we spoke about it a little bit in our thing episode of just like, sort of like quick fallacies that we all do. Like, they, are super worried about Robbie who's being eaten by a tree, which is valid. Valid, yeah. yeah. But I mean, then if I saw that. they never go to check on Carol Ann. So as this is all occurring, it, like everything in their room is being sucked into the closet. And so it is this weird thing because originally when I watched it, I didn't notice this until I started thinking about it. It's like, yeah, the poltergeist, the, the entity uses the tree eating the kid as a distraction to get the little to, girl, the to little get girl Carol Ann. because she's sort of the most innocent one. She has, according to later on in the movie, we understand like, she has the, the most powerful like life force of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's able to already communicate Why? with them. Why does she have the most powerful? I think, uh, I think life it, force. I think it, it might be related. Yeah. Is, is it the platinum white Phoebe Bridgers hair? Yeah. I think it might be related to her uh, youth and also, it's sort of if we go into sort of the idea of this uh, is an evil entity, it sort I, of attaches to. Like, I touched the a lot of static, and I watched a lot of static trying to see something through the HBO mm-hmm. haze, and I never got sucked into a closet to help spirits. 
weren't cool enough, man. I wasn't pure enough. Was, nope, wasn't pure not. enough. Uh, but no, and I, I think, I think it's heavily important to to sort of realize in that moment because again, sort of like the thing you understand. It's okay. This isn't just simply a creature. It's a it's a calculating creature. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. Uh, while it may not be human anymore, it has it is it at one point possessed well, human sentience. If it's multiple spirits, would it not be like a collective? Well, yes and a collective no, collective. because typically, so like I actually looked into poltergeist and what like the the history, you know, like the I guess like the lore behind poltergeist. So poltergeist is German for noisy ghost, mm-hmm. and it's the idea of multiple spirits inhabiting a place. And um, basically manifesting into like one big collective energy, mm-hmm. or it could be something, or it could be something that a person um, can manifest on their own. Mm-hmm. So if I have mm-hmm. a lot of animosity towards a certain person, and I just bottle it up and keep building this resentment and anger, I could actually manifest my own poltergeist that would p- specifically attack that person. If we can go further down this rabbit hole, uh, it's a form of tulpa, mm-hmm. honestly. And the thing with poltergeists is is the whole idea behind it is its power comes from your fear of it. Mm-hmm. The more you acknowledge what's going on, the more power you give it. So they've probably been living with this poltergeist for a while. There's probably been like little small weird paranormal goings on, but as we saw in the beginning, no one's really paying any fucking attention to it except for the little girl. So over time, this poltergeist is like mining energy, mining like mm-hmm. negative energy to make itself more and more powerful. And it's really preying on Robbie's fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and oh. that, I'm sorry, guys. I was just going to kind of go in more of like what Tyler was saying about like the tree. Like uh, the minute like the parents are trying to pull Robbie out of the tree and they're not focusing on Carolyn, nor the teenage daughter. I don't know where she was at. I think she was also yeah. trying to help Robbie. Yeah, I think she goes outside. She with had him. a very kind of like passive role mm-hmm. throughout a good chunk of yeah. this film. But we'll get into her story. Really familiar with the motels in town for some yeah. reason. No. Yeah. Um, and um, it kind of like. Like, because, like, we're so invested in Robbie getting saved that even, like, the audience forgets. Because, again, we're yeah, having we see our the, parental instincts yeah, tapped We see into. the cutaways to... It, it does it both ways. Because then we see the cutaways of Carol Ann obviously being in danger. Because the room mm-hmm. is, like, sucking everything. It's almost like this wind, like, tunnel mm-hmm. of Singularity. Yeah, it's... Everything's being sucked into the bright light of the closet. And she's, like, hanging from her bedpost. And we see it breaking. And mm-hmm. then... Even though they're as as he's also being eaten by the tree, I don't know what's worse. Uh, and so, yeah, then we we get the the hero moment, the the sort of the the quick breath of okay, well, he's been saved. Mm-hmm. But what what's going on? We see Caroline be sucked into the closet, mm-hmm. and then we hear quiet. And then when they come back in, that's when we have the idea. They're like okay. They're digging. They're getting yeah. to the closet. Mm-hmm. They dig mm-hmm. through all this stuff, and they find something under a blanket. Mm-hmm. And they both like have a look of both like relief mm-hmm. and then terror because I mm-hmm. think what you're led to believe is she got crushed to death. I think it was just her like, like unconscious. That's yeah. what I originally looked at it as. Yeah. I and thought even, I thought um, she was dead, and they both looked at each other like she's fucking dead. And they pull the sheet down, and it's that creepy mm-hmm. motherfucking clown. I swear to God, if you're thinking about buying your child a clown. <laughs> I need don't. you. Watch this I movie. need you to not. Okay, just yeah. don't. That well, and, super and like what really freaks me out is like around this time. It was either before or after. 
while they're looking for Carol Ann, um, Robbie is covered in tree goop. Mm-hmm. Sap. Mm-hmm. He's covered in sap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sap. Um, and he's just traumatized. Yeah. He is, he is like... <laughs> That the the acting that this kid pulled, like we, oh my gosh, it gives me goosebumps because he's walking and we see the strobe light of like the TV mm-hmm. and we hear Carol Ann's voice and he's just trying to like say, call out to his mom, call out to his mom. Mm-hmm. And his mom comes in and she's like, oh, Carol Ann, or, you know, where, you know, where are you? And she hears the mommy coming mm-hmm. out of the TV. Yeah. But even before that, we have the pool scene where like they're digging through this giant how do you have a giant like hole in your backyard and you have a six-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and you're not blocking it off? Listen, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kids were tougher. Yeah. Because like, also, they're going through like the mud and the water because yeah. they thought she got Kids were not it. tougher. They just died a lot more and it wasn't on the news. Yeah, because they, they had that fear of, oh, she's drowning in the pool. But no, I, and I also think it's important, too, going back to a thing we talked about earlier of where while it is a collect... We, we learned later after we have... Uh, uh, be parapsychologists come in, and then we also have a medium brought in later. They need the the bigger guns. <laughs> uh, the medium explains that while it is a like it is a poltergeist scenario, there are multiple spirits here. The vast majority are quote unquote good, just like normal spirits. There's one entity that is the entity that sought out Carolan and is actually quote unquote evil. Like it is an evil entity that is seeking out the uh, the power that. Uh, that Carol Ann possesses. And so that's a, and that plays another important part way later in the film. And we'll get to that. But yeah, I think it is important to remember that while there is this like collection of ghosts that are sort of, uh, doing these weird things, there is a malevolent force among them. And it is like a single entity, but it does sort of, I think it's even talked about where it is sort of like almost like the leader of them because it, the, the hate of it, the negative energy around it is so powerful. It sort of has some control over, the others and begins feeding mm-hmm. off the family yeah. and getting even stronger so i want to uh i think because robbie is freaked the fuck out robbie <laughs> you know i what, feel guys? so hard for robbie <laughs> you know what guys if there's someone you really really don't like just close your eyes and imagine them and then just take all of your bad feelings and just create a tulp- tulpa mm-hmm. just torment them just torment them with the tulpa it's totally real you can do it do Evil it right now trees if you're doing that right Evil now you're trees. a fucking moron and I think um, after that we get the, uh, you know, Steve, the, the interview with, like, the parapsychologist. And mm-hmm. we, um, and, like, at first it's, like, we see, like, the, you know, this sweet little old librarian lady kind of, like, talk mm-hmm. about, give, like, you know, her credentials. And then we go back to, like, an overhead shot and it zooms in on, or comes down and it zooms in on mm-hmm. Greg T. Nelson. And he is looking. Steve is not having a no, great Steve is not good. looking. First of all, the outfit was on point. <laughs> I, sh- I think I made a mental note. Yeah. He is wearing, like, some really nice, like, form-fitting uh, olive green corduroys with, like, a little bit of, like, a boot cut. And then he's wearing the black top showing off that dad bod with, like, the white cardigan. I want that fit. And, like, the dark circles under mm. his eyes and just chain-smoking. I was like, yes. That's the Doomer fit. Yeah. That's, mm. <laughs> I, I think that plays, it plays re- like really well into it because it is this, because if you haven't seen the film, pretty much Carol Ann has been sucked into the other dimension, but she can still communicate with her parents. So it is, like, this, like, almost, like, real, like, primal fear of, 
my child is in danger and I can still hear them, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And it's like, and I think it's established, it's, it's like that for like, my guess is I think like a week or so. It's at least a couple of days where they reach out and try and get help about it. And mm-hmm. you can tell, I like, guess, Craig T. Nelson's character is visibly broken and distraught. Oh, yeah, because his baby, like, is, well, he's, her, his baby is technically within arm's reach, but he can't get to yeah. her. And also and a so tree his, tried to eat my boy. Yeah, tree tried to eat your son. Uh, your wife is like, you know, about is going fucking nuts. Your teenage mm-hmm. daughter is running off, which, I mean, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd want to mm-hmm. be out of the house as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you, you're supposed to be the man of the family. You know, you're supposed to be the, the protector, the, the protector, yeah. the practical one, mm-hmm. the voice of reason. Yeah, but they, he um, can't do anything. He has no power over the situation. Yeah. And it just eats at him and it makes him very frustrated, but he's still, you know, you know, he's not becoming a belligerent drunk or an asshole toward, toward anybody. No, they're seeking oh, yeah. out he's answers. He's a very good father. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're seeking out answers, which is For very- For once, uh, the father wasn't just like an absent drunk. Oh my yeah. gosh. Whenever like they're talking about like the overhead light blinking on and off, it's like, how often does it do that? Like, all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it stops, then it comes back on and then it mm-hmm. stops again. Just wait again. a second. There'll be two more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then- um, the reveal of like the bedroom and there's just stuff flying. Yeah. Like, a, like some weird, like, you know, everything's like in orbit, like some nice, like big, you know, here's my question. Whirlpool of just chaotic energy. And that original scene where everything's being pulled into the closet. I have, I have a very serious question. Was David Bowie hiding under her bed? Because the amount of fucking glitter yeah. that came <laughs> out from under her bed was inhuman. <laughs> It was no one has that amount of palpable glitter. amount of glitter. It was there's, insane. Go watch some, that scene some right say, now. Some say there's still glitter on the set from whenever they had to do that scene. I wouldn't doubt it. You can go to the house. The fam- the family that lives there now will be really pissed off, but you can do it anyways. Who gives a shit? I made a note about uh, the toys and how in the beginning we have like the kids like doing with the remote control RC mm-hmm. cars. Because, you know, oh, that makes sense. And, like, they're causing mischief in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then we have another scene where after she gets sucked in and they're, like, they, you know, they think that they found her, but they didn't. So they go downstairs mm-hmm. to look for her. We see a little toy robot just laughing menacingly. Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of becomes, like, oh, wow, like, happy, you know, happy toys. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to, the, like, instruments and yeah, no, if you people. Yeah, if, it, it's the inversion of... The symbolic meaning of it. You have, when you think of a toy, you think of joy, childhood, glee, uh, engagement, adventure, and not uh, fucking menacing evil. I don't know. And then they talk about, they bring up the RC car, or the matchbox cars, Mm -hmm. moving around independently. So there's like a lot of like electronical, sorry, electric interference. Yeah, I think I have like... Maybe some of the spirits were little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small electrical yeah. disturbances mm-hmm. are actually like spiritual disturbances. Mm-hmm. They kind of yeah. go hand in hand. I also think it's important too to remember. So they should have lit some incense when they go they into. Uh, they should gotten there. They should charge the crystals <laughs> when they when they speak when they because they, they, they originally speak to just like the main doctor. Who I think is Doctor Lesh. I believe. Yes, is the main mm-hmm. parapsychologist, and so isn't Lesh a uh, a mythological creature? Can it you look sound. that up? Super, I know super the, researcher. Um, oh, let me find. I forget his Lesh. name. 
But one of the parapsychologists, the actor, um, his plane, he was in a plane crash and survived. But he was originally supposed to be in coat or in um, in economy like seating, and they recognized him and they bumped him to. They're like, "Oh, you're from Poltergeist." He's like, "Yeah." So we're gonna bump you to first class. All right, cool. <laughs> well, the plane goes down and crashes, and he survives. But the person that took his seat in basic economy ended up dying. So if he wouldn't have gotten bumped up to first class, he would have died. Capitalism. Um, oh, I have some notes. Uh, whenever we talk about the skeletons, I have some notes because I found out something very oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I've been waiting for this. Mm. I think I watched the same documentary. I yeah. Think, yeah. Is it the one yeah. on Shudder? Um, the one that was at the yeah. Austin Film Festival? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that documentary. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, but So Leshy is, te- Lesh- Leshy is technically a uh, uh, creature from Slavic mm-hmm. mythology. Mm-hmm. That uh, It's a but spirit that rules Slavic, over... <laughs> <laughs> it's a spirit that rules over the forest and deals Witcher with hunting. Three. But uh <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's important too to remember like so uh Dr. Lesh comes in and also she has two assistants who I think it's funny though I never recognize this the assistants as being doctors, but they're listed as doctors, but Ryan and Marty and Ryan is the more uh I would say the more optimist of the group. He seems very uh almost like childlike with his wonder of the paranormal and Marty is sort of the like almost like the, the colder rational who has like these almost like they're not necessarily negative feelings, but they're uh, more skeptical feelings. It seems like, and he's sort mm-hmm. of trying to rationalize things with his, the, with the, the paranormal and sort of trying to figure out exactly how they, they discuss the uh, like how the, the television channels, like they're not receiving anything, but they're still interacting. They're discussing like radio waves. He's, he seems like more of the, uh, the cold calculating brains of the operation while yeah he's trying to see like the technical side or how it how it like can he's trying to be very scientific Mm -hmm. with it and he also uh he suffers a very interesting fate oh one of the grossest scenes one of the best scenes (laughs) i hate maggots so yeah we can hop into that so the uh the 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 Mm parapsychologists they move into the home to help and try and uh figure these things out and so uh, there's like a lot of like shifts being taken, and so uh, I think it's all, while a majority of people are in bed, there mm-hmm. is a. Uh, uh, this is my favorite scene. Yeah. Well, actually, before this, we'll get into before this really quick. So we, uh, I'm not exactly sure where the timeline goes, but in the midst of this, as the uh, the, the paranormal team's there, they discover they figure out. Okay, this is like. This is very active. This is not just like a simple haunting. This is a poltergeist. There's a lot of spirits here. This is a very like active scenario. We got to like bring in the big guns and like we need to like study here and like actually take in and get like like readings and whatnot. Uh, Steve's boss takes him out to go and pretty much tell him like, hey, like we've uh, you've done an exceptional job. Like you've I think 48 percent of yeah, homes he uh, was responsible mm-hmm. for. Yeah, for de- for actually building for for developing them. And you can see he, he it, it does make him feel good. Like there is like an, a, an, a sense of accomplishment on him, but he still has that just look of despair because his daughter's still missing and his house mm-hmm. is fucking excessively haunted. And then we get a really, it's it's uh, a really nice piece of foreshadowing where, because the, the, what the, the overlook is, is right next to a cemetery. Can I say something really Go quick? For it. So, like, this scene, he's up on this, like, hillside, and mm-hmm. you can see in the background there's all these beautiful hills, and there's, like, all this development in the valley, 
and he's talking to him about what if you had a big bay window right here looking mm-hmm. out over this valley mm-hmm. and he mentions like there's some like there's some consciousness here and he says like yeah well it doesn't look so good for them down here all these mm-hmm. buildings being built along like this hill mm-hmm. and it really goes into one of the points I picked up from this film is that it is very much v- man versus nature in mm-hmm. some ways. Man versus nature versus mm-hmm. supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else, whenever we watched it, mentioned the idea and it made me think more about it. But it's it's essentially this idea of these homes are being built to make a profit. We keep hearing percentages of houses sold how much money they've made off of building these houses here, how much land they've moved to build these homes, the perspective, like, profit they're going to make, Mm -hmm. and at what cost, we're going to find out. Mm -hmm. But it's... It does it so subtly in its analysis of, like, suburbia, suburban families development mm-hmm. capital all of these things wrapped into one and they and live so close to each other but whenever he needs help he can't rely on his neighbors mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. They, you know like they look at him like he's fucking, fucking insane yeah mm-hmm. and they offer no help at all like, there's so many times like where his next door neighbors he was legitimately trying to go and get some help and they just blew it off or they just didn't want to acknowledge it or they didn't want to face it. So it's mm-hmm. also like this sense mm-hmm. of living so close and living in a community but not having any kind of community support. Mm-hmm. So it's like what makes a community? Because living in closed quarters does not make a community. What's more American than believing no one else exists? Yeah. Oh, individualism. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, and then going to that, when he discusses, uh, it's like right after he's saying, like, oh, it's a big baby when I was like, well, like, there's a cemetery right here. So what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, we just, we, we move it. Move it? Yeah, we move it. Oh. He's and like, what? What do you mean move yeah, it? Yeah, we move it. It's like, oh, it's, it's fine. And I think it's actually even like. You just go f- yeah. five more miles down yeah. the road and then go visit their loved ones? It's yeah. fine. We'll I, just move it. I think it, it actually is to talk about it where uh, Steve goes, it wasn't that like sacrilegious. And he mm. goes, ah, it's fine. It's fine. Pure. There's no sacrilege <laughs> when you've got he, the green Doesn't Steve even ask? He goes, like, have you done this before? Or yeah, where you just like they kind of hint that. Yeah, it's we we get these these uh, hintings of what I think is he occurring. mentions directly the part of the subdivision that he lives in is somewhere they've done it before. I yeah. think he directly mm-hmm. says it's mentioned that it was it was near an Indian burial ground, which plants a red. Not ha- that no, he or, like directly says like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this neighborhood. Is one place we've like done this. We mm-hmm. moved the graveyard, and the one he mentions is mm-hmm. the one our character lives yeah. in, mm-hmm. who's in like phase one mm-hmm. of the housing. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, that that implants a uh, very important plot point for us mm-hmm. that we'll get into in a minute. But I think that probably the scene we're about to get into is probably the most powerful sequence in this film, and it's very interesting because also it's a very juxtaposing thing. Uh, because we we see we follow Marty, who's our sort of skeptic yeah. skeptic paranormal mm-hmm. investigator, into the kitchen, obviously late night, and he is uh, has a piece of fried chicken, and he's yeah, there's I, was he getting ready to cook the meat? 
the steak? I think, so. I think yeah. yeah. He was about yeah. to just use their fucking kitchen. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he is living there. I it's guess. Fine. But mm-hmm. my steak? Yeah, but so there's steak. He puts steak on the counter. He mm-hmm. has a piece of fried chicken in his mouth. And he, like, hears something. And he turns. Oh, my gosh. We get and the, the steak is just crawling. And then it starts to, like, explode. And, Ugh. like, shit starts coming out of it. And then he spits out the fried chicken. And there's maggots, maggots all over bursting mm-hmm. from it. And he immediately runs to the bathroom to start, like, spitting and, like, throwing up in the sink. And then he looks up, and his face is starting to, like, melt. And he starts pulling on it. And, like, he, like, rips off his face. We see, like, the flesh and the mm-hmm. blood and all the goop in, in the sink. And it's just all, fun fact, those are Steven Spielberg's hands. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just, just like, tearing at it. And then finally like, he snaps back to it, and he's really okay. And he's just, like, he runs in the, into the, uh, in the living room. And while all this is happening, too, we see... Where uh, Ryan is, who's our more, uh, our more, I would say, like, he's kind of on, like, the happier, more positive end of the spectrum. But he's just, like, drawing as they have these, uh, all these, this camera and all these monitors set up to to record and monitor everything. That he's not paying attention yeah. to at all. Yeah, he has headphones in, he's listening to something, and he's sort of, like, drawing. And the camera has begun to move, and it's facing up the staircase. Mm-hmm. And it's operating on its own accord. And so after uh, after Marty has his uh, nightmare trauma. That's like uh, one of my favorite scenes just because the idea and the inspiration uh, came from some of the pranks that Steve, uh, Steven Spielberg used mm-hmm. to pull on his sister during her slumber parties where he would put like tissue and I think he would either paint it or he would put something on to make it look like flesh and he would just go and rip off his face mm-hmm. in front of his siblings. And also like... Meat, uh, meat. I don't like. I don't like the idea of meat moving mm-hmm. across the table. I don't I hate like maggots. I don't like maggots, and I have, uh, I have nightmares of my skin falling off. And so, just like every time I see that scene, I can almost feel just the flesh being just <laughs> ripped off and mm-hmm. just turning mm-hmm. into meat and blubber. And it is very visceral, and I can't help but to feel maybe the fact that he is a skeptic and the fact mm-hmm. that he is very like. He's very, like, wanting to find an answer for everything. Yeah. And so something completely shocking and absurd, which you're right. Like, it is something that kind of is a very off-putting for, like, the rest of the film because that's, like, the more grotesque scene. Mm-hmm. We really don't have any more scenes like that. And I think they put that in there to kind of, like, you know, jolt the audience, wake the audience up. Mm-hmm. It was think, just really I well done. I think the purpose of it was is the poltergeist saw somebody ripe for... Mm-hmm. It's like we're gonna. You want my stealing, attention? You're yeah, gonna get yeah. my attention. Mm-hmm. Stealing energy from him. I mean, like every like poltergeist occurrence that you can read about mm-hmm. has this idea of like this build and this build, and it likes to attach itself to skeptics. It likes yeah. to fuck with the skeptics harder than anyone else mm-hmm. because it's really their energy they're trying to like pull. Yeah. They're not getting their energy because they're skeptical, and mm-hmm. so giving him such a horrifying experience probably like i don't know bumped his numbers a little bit that yeah. poltergeist was ready to and go it's interesting too because as we we get into that moment the next very scene is marty running in and waking up mm-hmm. ryan or not waking but just letting him know and they look and see and then everybody gets called in because the uh the upstairs we see like this light forming and mm-hmm. it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, and orbs. inevitably these orbs come out, and they get to see. They see all these orbs flash through, and they get uh, all these different uh, bright, like 
is effervescent the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's, uh, it's just yeah, it's it's would be a good one. it's almost like ethereal. It's a great mm-hmm. where from when we see the the uh, the ugh, the the steak and chicken scene, the maggot mm-hmm. scene. It's very it's visceral. It's harsh. It's very grounded and like earthy and just it's it causes this very this this reaction and it in kind you. of um kind of like adds to the point like oh the spirit that's over here scaring mm-hmm. everyone that's yeah. that's the that's the, that's the entity yeah and then we see because then it's revealed when they look at the uh when they're able to see they they, they do see to record it and we see we understand that and we're able to see them that these are just uh trapped spirits these mm-hmm. are just people who mm-hmm haven't made it onto the other mm-hmm. side we see a bunch of different like you see i saw there's like you see like prospector <laughs> like cowboy and things yeah, like that i think there's like and a native american as yeah well. you see all these different entities where it's like oh these are just people who are uh who just don't understand like where they are and don't understand like how to get out like, the classic sort of like oh this is like a ghost like a ghost mm-hmm. spirit that can't escape that is like sort of locked in this realm and then uh that's when it's sort of they're sort of understanding. Like, okay, we need like bigger help. <laughs> we need uh, yeah. call in a meeting. Let's take our evidence and uh, yeah, and go ahead it. and contact. Uh, they contact the medium. I think her name is Tangina. Yes. Yeah, Tangina. Who is an I thought she was creature. Lorraine Warren. I. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she. You know, she is kind of reminiscent of mm-hmm. Lorraine. Well, the Warrens were, uh, you know, a big deal in the uh, con man circles. Mm-hmm. I mean. Real, really excellent grifters. The fact yeah. that we know their names. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I don't even... I would we'll love... We'll go into this sometime. Yeah, and... I would love to dive into because mm, I have I have beef. I have some qualms with the with the Warrens. I have some major qualms with the Warrens. Um, not a fan. Never was. Shady. Mm-hmm. Like, great. Great for television. Great for movies. Great mm-hmm. for media. But that's what they were. Mm-hmm. They were uh. just mm, hogs. Yeah. They're hogs. Um, but yeah, this character is really cool. Yeah, um, we really. The voice <sighs> is interesting. The... Is uh, it stays with you? Mm-hmm. What was her name? Her pure, name was Zelda. Human. Yeah, her name was Zelda. Uh, and she like she takes she steals the entire every scene that she's in. Yeah, lots of monologues in this towards yeah, the no, end. She. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it it is the idea of the sort of like it, it does become very exposition heavy, but mm-hmm. because it. The way they bill her character is this idea of she's like the top dog in her field. Mm-hmm. So you almost, it's like, I mean, I've met a few experts in things before, like someone who's like heavily, heavily, okay, my entire life is dedicated to one thing. And it is interesting to talk with them because also it's the only thing they can talk about. And so uh, you're going to learn things, but it is interesting having her. And also just the way she is a complete departure from everybody else. She's very short. She's vastly different in physical appearance. Her uh, demeanor is vastly different. Even the parapsychologists are very much in this realm of when they have this look, these looks of wonder and fear as well when these paranormal occurrences are going on. But uh, the medium, she doesn't. She just sort cool of like, a cucumber. yeah, she understands what's occurring. This isn't her first rodeo. And even there's a moment where as she's going upstairs to sort of look around, uh, she calls out to Steve, and as uh, Steve answers back, after a moment, uh, he tells 
his wife that oh like diane i was trying to answer her with my mind and she didn't like hear it and then she responds to him because he's trying to see if she's like the real deal. Trick questions. Yeah. I don't like trick questions. And it's oh, it's so good. And then he's like, okay, yeah, she's the real deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. She could have just heard him at the top yeah. of the stairs. It seems like this house echoes. Yeah. And, but whatever, I guess. But yeah, and so then we get the the reveal of okay, so she goes into the room to sort of like try and like, okay, why is this door locked? And it's like, well, that's uh, everything is. And so she goes in and she uh, is able to like exist on that realm and. She discovers, like, okay, like, Carol Ann's there. I can see her. She's surrounded by a lot of people. But, like, the majority of these spirits are just people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if this whole time, and all of these events following to Brazil to gets here, mm-hmm. what if she's the greatest bullshit artist of all time? Oh, yeah. She gets in there. She's like, I don't know what the fuck's no, going on. There's a good moment that actually and she just like that. She's just, like, making it up as she goes. <laughs> like there, There's a moment that lends that, too. But she then also explains, like, oh, there's also... There's an evil entity. It's called the Beast, <laughs> and it's like, beast. oh my god, it's, it's called Crowley? the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, it's the greatest power bottom in history. <laughs> just the way, just the way she, the ways that she whispers, like she, like she just like, whenever she's having like those conversations with Diane, mm-hmm. talking about like the the afterlife, and mm-hmm. um, like there's like a lot of really intimate moments Diane has with like these women talking mm-hmm. about like her child. Like even in one scene, when uh, before our median gets there, mm-hmm. whenever we have like um, a gust of wind coming down the staircase, and she can smell Carol Ann on her mm-hmm. clothes, and she yeah. like literally tries to get to try mm-hmm. to prove herself. Yeah. She's like, "Smell, this mm-hmm. is my baby. Smell my baby." Mm-hmm. Like, um, in order to kind of like win over like uh, some empathy, and then of course we have another gust of wind that comes down, and it's some evil. Yeah. It's not. Growling. It's not yeah. Caroline. Uh, and yeah, and so she once she has that understanding, she's like, "Yeah, we gotta." It's like it's your daughter has like a very powerful life force, and it's sort of it. it you're the beast has sort of like it's restrained Caroline. It's taking control of her. It's preventing her from uh, even like communicating now mm-hmm. with them because they hadn't heard from her. I think in like two days, is what they say, or at least a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, "Yeah, they're." Uh, like these spirits aren't at rest, aren't at rest but doesn't this is a she, dark Doesn't presence. she mention that like a lot of the spirits are drawn to Carolyn because they think her life force is the light? Yeah, they. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is brought up, and then the the beast recognizes that and can understand like it also like can uh, prevent the others from crossing over as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it. This is when things start like taking like another weird turn because now it's mm-hmm. like well now we're in Operation <laughs> like. Operation Save Carol Ann. And like our camera angles start changing up. Yeah. More, like we we start to get more like effects heavy and it becomes this sort of very odd. We see items that are being brought like I got the rope. <laughs> uh, I got like mm-hmm. tennis balls and we see all these things and uh that's when we get into this uh idea of like they're like we don't we, we have to if we don't get Carol Ann now there's like a chance we won't be able to get her. And yeah. so they're like, we got to do this. explaining so, that to the cops. Yeah. Right. And so, like, they, they realize that the, the closet is, like, the entrance to the portal. Yeah, so now they have to yeah. figure out, okay, well, obviously, like, this is, like, the entrance to the portal. There must be an exit somewhere else mm-hmm. in the house. Yeah. And so that's where they get the ropes. They get the tennis balls mm-hmm. to kind of see, like, where um, the exit where mm-hmm. the exit is. And since they figured that all the spirits came down from the staircase, mm-hmm. they're thinking, like, that might be, like, the exit yeah. portal. And so they uh, they do a test where 
they uh it's like as they're in the show rolling they they send ryan down where they have like sort of like marked out where they believe the uh the exit would be the ceiling by the yeah. way mm-hmm. it's the ceiling yeah. and they uh and so she fucking like softball hurls it, uh, uh, <laughs> and it like, comes out like, it. oh, it comes out on the yeah. other side, just covered, yeah. in this uh, that, exoplasm. Yeah. Hey, it's ecto- ectoplasm. <laughs> it's ectoplasm. Sticky, like it's like gooey. It's like, like, dis- like it looks like discharge. Yeah, it's like it's like pink <laughs> mucus. Uh, yeah, Ugh. and oh, uh, that lens uh, thought I had of like death rebirth. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah kind of mm-hmm. like, like literally coming out like covered in like pink membrane yeah. like a newborn child mm-hmm. how can you not pick up that like that like mm-hmm. sub yeah idea yeah very because uh, being pulled into the closet is akin to dying mm-hmm. exiting yeah. is rebirth and of course during the time the teenage daughter is gone she's mm-hmm. like she's out i'm gonna go stay the night with some friends for a few yeah. nights uh <laughs> and so she's what you mean fair fair yeah yeah, yeah. um and so they, um, I think something happens in between the tennis ball scene and them getting ready to enter the portal. They, Zelda is in contact with Carol Ann, and Carol Ann is safe with the the kind spirits. Mm-hmm. So she makes the father threaten to spank Carol Ann, which yeah. is against this, them. He says, like, very yeah. resolutely, I've mm-hmm. never spanked my children. Yeah, this is before. Yeah, yeah that's before that sequence but yeah no that yeah. that is important to touch on yeah like i really um i really like those sequences because like asking I said, the mother to tell her to go to the light like yeah, yeah and you're she's telling like, your daughter yeah. to go die mm-hmm. like yeah she's like what are you and thinking? she yeah, and she, she responds with, i hate you for making me do that but it's like mm-hmm. it is resolute of like you have if you don't do this we're not gonna she is gonna die yeah so we have to trick her now and and uh um, so well played Derek, while they were doing that scene uh let me find my note yeah, so during that scene, we have everybody in frame, which I think is kind of interesting because, like, a lot of these, like, w- like whenever whenever um, the median is talking, whenever the parapsychologists are, are talking or the parents are talking, mm-hmm. they all have, like, these, like, medium close-ups, mm-hmm. but everything was – everybody else was still in frame, so you can see everyone else's background reaction. Yeah. So it kind of really kind of sucks you in on the moment, and they even changed, like, the height levels. Mm-hmm. Of each actor, so that you're like up in their face, but like the whole time you can see the mother's reaction, you could see the father's reaction, and um, that to me is like not like necessarily off-putting, but a very interesting camera, mm-hmm. like interesting, interesting thing to kind of do with the camera, mm-hmm. because um, typically you would want to just focus on one actor at a time, but like at mm-hmm. that point you're focusing on everyone's reaction. And you're almost like moving and you're it's like they're talking to you, mm-hmm. but they're not. And they even kind of go off into like some monologues and some weird dialogue where um, where everybody everybody's mm-hmm. in frame. Like you, you kind of all see it and mm-hmm. uh, everyone's acting is on point. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. The, everyone's acting in this is flawless. I don't think there was any kind of bad acting, mm-hmm. even down to the pervy construction workers. Yeah. Like eating. Once like, again, the Italian excuse. The Italian excuse. Before you jump my case, they were, they were obviously Italian. Obviously Italian. Oh my gosh! Whenever he's like reaching through the window and like, like eating beans out of the pot or yeah. like toast and coffee, mm-hmm. it's like morning. <laughs> yeah, again, it plays it. There's like a decent amount of humor in the beginning of this, uh, but 
going into the the moment of oh yeah the humor quickly stops yeah the humor and wonder quickly exchange is exchanged with pure unadulterated fear mixed in with still a, like a, a fair amount of wonder which is a lot of uh, exposition mm-hmm. yeah but i think it's important to like when we look at i like the character of ryan a lot because he while he obviously cares for the family he obviously is there he's like i am uh worried about this he's also he still can't like like contain his glee of like when she throws the ball through he, he catches, catches it, it. He's, he's like, like oh, oh my god yeah. like it says what's got my handwriting what the fuck would have been my reaction yeah well, i would have been like out it because like that also kind of brings in that childlike wonder that's in an, almost every spielberg that's what makes yeah, spielberg, spielberg. spielberg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know it's like yes there's like a lot of horrifying shit mm-hmm. right now and that also kind of like manipulate—not really much manipulate, but kind of fucks us up because like we go from being like we have to—they have to protect the children, have to save the yeah. children—to, whoa, this is freaking cool. And yeah, yeah, Ryan is genuinely like ecstatic whenever he's yeah, like, it, "Oh it, my god, this is like an it, amazing experience." Because also it could easily be tied to, well, this might actually work. Like we might also be able to like rescue yeah. Caroline. So we, I yeah, think we can do this. it's important too because it is. We it's important like we never humans are capable of experiencing emotions like together. Like we never just like, oh I'm sad today, I'm angry today, I'm happy today. It's oh, I'm terrified, but also this is incredible, my work is valid, like yeah. this is a very important moment for like the world and my field, but also we can get this kid back. Uh and then yeah, then we get to the moment where it's like, Yeah, she's like, Tie me up, I'm going in <laughs> and uh Diane's like, No, it's my daughter. And the my favorite exchange of the movie, which I think Shane will get into. Like, you're right. Yeah. You go. Yeah. He's like, it's my it's my baby. I should do it. She's never done this before. And she's like, Neither have you. you? And she's like, you go. It's such Literally, a Literally, like, there's like no hesitation, like, I'm about to go in. And then she's like, It's my baby, I should go. She's like, You've never done yeah, this before. It's like she won't like, know you. Like Oh my she god! She won't go to you. And she, she just like you. for a second, for like a solid beat, she's just silent and is like, "You're right. <laughs> you should go." <laughs> you you got like, it. I don't know why I went David Lynch on that one, yes. but it seemed yes, okay. Steven, uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, and then we have everybody set up. She sends uh, Lesh down there. Also, like we're we're explaining like we have to like the bathtub's been f- ran full of like warm water. All these mm-hmm. things, uh, tubs full. <laughs> all this like weird like esoteric like yeah there's like no really set up. like context yeah. but we're like but you know what we gain context yeah, it, later yeah yeah it's like kind of like also, in our head like this is the action yeah. plan it's go time i mean we're in a demon house so like at this it, point yeah I'm, like at this point <laughs> i've bought right, in cool. bathtubs full we have the tennis yeah. balls we have the rope let's go yeah. and uh um, it was a home birth yeah <laughs> that actually is a uh, yeah, i know that's, that's yeah, why yeah. as soon as the husband was like bathtubs full i was like okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think. Then, yeah. Go ahead. So, like, we have all this. We have all this going on. Um, well, actually, finish what what you were saying because then we're going to go into the next scene. Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, and like as they're finally like, they get her tied off and everyone's ready to go. Like we established. Okay, this is go time. This is like our climactic moment of Meanwhile, the movie. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Robbie's in bed. And he looks over at the clown. No, this doesn't happen yet. No, that it doesn't is, happen oh, until... Oh, that's right. That's separate, nope, yeah. my bad. Never yeah. mind. Scratch that. We're not talking yeah. about that. We're not no, focused so, on that. Yeah, so we do, again, like, we have... We, we assume this is our climax. 
We have yeah, like it, everything has led you to believe this is the climax. And so we have she's like, Steve, you gotta hold on and you can't pull like yet. Like you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh it's like all this stuff. And so like Ryan has the other end of the rope and then uh Steve has the other end. And so they're like, working together and they go in and she's like he's like, How can I tell? Like how do I know when she's got her? And it's like I'll watch. And she's like talking about it. Like she's talking through it. And she's like, don't pull too soon. And then we inevitably, Steve freaks out and pulls. And he like pulls the beast like yeah. into. And that's when we get into realm. like a, another one of her famous quotes, a median's favorite quotes, is that while he's, Steven's holding on, we have like just like we have like a whole wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already downstairs. She starts calling to the spirits to go toward the light. Yeah. She goes, all are well. All mm-hmm. are welcome. Mm-hmm. All are all go into the light, children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that's what causes Stephen yeah, to freak Steve's out like, because he's like, yeah. "You said not to go into the light." Mm-hmm. Who didn't say to go? I love Steve's freak out moments in this movie. Diane. <laughs> he has the greatest ever, and I can't wait to oh, yeah. get to it. Oh, and so, gosh. yeah, he starts pulling out, and then uh, he. Uh, the what we assume is the beast, which is like this like giant, giant skeleton white skull. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. Uh and he's like, <laughs> just freaks <laughs> out. And then he lets go of the rope and the rope gets pulled through. But then we have uh Diane and Caroline like drop down into uh, Ryan and Dr. Lesh. Like, yeah, and they're in the fetal position. Yeah. They're covered in the goop. Yeah, and they're not breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh should have spanked them. <laughs> They're not breathing. And so get them in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they get him in the water. And uh that moment made me cry when like yeah. he's begging for them to like come mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Uh that was very emotional. Was very sweet. Like, hey, and again, yeah. I was thinking, who yeah. icky. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. we think we're like we're at our resolution. Like we're at our moment of like, okay, we have them back. We're assuming they're gonna live. Diane comes back, and then slowly Carol Ann comes back and she's like, Daddy, I'm like Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> I was like sobbing, <laughs> and uh, then we have after like Doctor Lesh Ryan's like, yeah, everyone's crying. Everyone's <laughs> it's like, like, holy shit! Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and Ryan it's like, just originally, a birth, guys. like originally Ryan ha- Ryan has like the camera there, but then he like yeah, then puts it it's down. like okay, this is like this is a personal moment, and then everybody leaves except for uh, the family, and they close the door, Godfather yeah, it's style. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like a beautiful moment and then we have uh, uh, the medium she reveals house is clean the house oh, is yeah. clean oh no she did not just reel it she mm-hmm. like goes up in front of their like little camp yeah, like, yeah. fixes her fixes hair, her hair. Yeah. she goes this house is clean <laughs> I sounded Grifter. like yeah. I sounded Close. like uh, Luann mm-hmm. what if she had no oh, idea what she was doing yeah. we just accept that she's an expert what yeah. if she's just making it up on the spot? Yeah. Well, I mean, Probably. we do see she's like five, four foot, nothing. Yeah, we do see like there's that makes like, you a, that, that makes you an expert in the paranormal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It You're is low true. enough to the ground; you can hear the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an anti like it's like an anti like radio antenna. It's like the the shorter you are, the more frequencies she's you grounded. Get. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, and then we're we're we, we're led to believe like it's like we get like a, a transition of time, and it's like okay, well, we're like. They're packing up. To yeah, move. they're packing. They're moving. Steve's going they're, to go quit his job. Yeah, like everybody is uh, ready to go. They're getting ready to go, like chill at like the holiday. They mention a motel, and then the mm-hmm. teenage daughter is like, "Oh, I remember that ho- 
that yeah. motel. Like, which is really like no one else picked up on mm, that in the moment. Yeah. I was and like, then, uh, uh, madam. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. Damn. So, yeah, she. And then, so Steve's going to go to his office. They're like, just saying like a little bit. Like, he's like, hey, you guys go ahead and get, get, get rest. I have to go to the office for a little bit. But like, the moment I come back, we can like leave. Oh, I love that exchange because, first of all, the wife is rocking the rogue. Yeah, she gets Highlights. from her experience Ooh, her yeah, just, temple hair the streaks around are go white. Yeah. And uh, um, from shock and yeah. they're talking about well how did you know, how did he take it? Mm-hmm. Oh well uh you know, I told him to go to hell and he goes, Oh, mm-hmm. how did he take that? Oh, I gave him directions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, like he's uh this family's been through a lot. Uh, yeah, and his boss <laughs> yeah. is trying to convince him to yeah. stay and sell more houses mm-hmm. and he's like, No, I'm no thank you, I'm out. Don't worry, build that. What are rage, the odds Steve? that We'll get into it later. We'll get yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. And so um, then we have like this nice like kind of calming scene where we have uh, the children are, I guess, laying down. Yeah. I don't know if it's like they're, nighttime. Well, they're yet, back or... in their room and they're it's nighttime. They're back in the room. They're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane is getting ready. She's going to like dye her hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like going to go take a bath. Yeah. She's, like, oh, she runs water. It's like, oh, we're back to being just like a regular family. Yeah. And like the kids are playing love, laughing yeah. and then they... Uh, they both like go to bed, mm-hmm. uh, and like their room has been set back up. And as like the, uh, it's like this is after like the mom. She does everything. It's like there's a lot of like, like juxtaposing shots of the children mm-hmm. and the mother. And then we get uh, like as the mother goes back to bed. I think she's just going to like read or just relax. Uh, the didn't something happen in the bathroom? No, I, I, I think, think I think it was just like a nice. We're like, made to it believe. Was using the camera and it was mm-hmm. using technique to make you believe. That I think the tissue box the whole time, like that tissue box is going to move or something. Yeah. that's going to be our like. Yeah, tell. I thought they were going to like. I thought, Never like, happened. The, for some reason, I think I always think that the uh, the hair dryer is going to yeah. fall it, into the bathtub or something like that. It's like the red light in the room, mm-hmm. the Dutch on the camera whenever it's facing her while she's mm-hmm. in the mirror mm-hmm. makes you believe something's about yeah, to happen. It's or, like, she's but being once watched. again. Where you think the spooky shit's gonna happen yeah. is not where the spooky shit's gonna happen. Because even the scene that she's like laying in the bath and she's just all glowing and just mm-hmm. so serene, it's almost like we're watching her or it's watching yeah. her. Yeah, and I think that, I think while, uh, whether it be Spielberg or Hooper, whoever, mm-hmm. I'm sure Spielberg, even if Hooper did was where he was like, hey, you should like do this this way. It's really cool. Because mm-hmm. while it does, it sets up in like a classical horror sense of, Oh, like something's gonna happen. Like, mm-hmm. a get out while you can. What I interpret it as is this is priming the audience. Like, it's not happening here, but like, the beast didn't go. The beast yeah. is still mm-hmm. here. It's in the house, and it all primed the good us. spirits are gone. Yeah, now. all yeah, all the uh, the others have left, but the one remains, and it is very, very, very pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then we see the children again, and they've gone to sleep. And we see the clown doll, which we have a callback to the clown doll, mm-hmm. where he tries to throw a shirt. Yeah, he over tries it, to throw his like misses, jacket over again. Misses and this he time. He just goes to bed. Yeah, that very prime uh, Chewbacca mm-hmm. jacket, which would have been worth a lot of money. Like a lot of Star Wars memorabilia was kind of, I guess, destroyed. Schlock. Yeah, yeah, it's destroyed during like this this movie, and I'm over here. They had like, warehouses full. I'm like that yeah. CP3 light switch would go for big money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> George wasn't particularly greedy yet. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and then we get like this really weird moment where he like hears something and he looks back up and it's gone. 
And so yes. he would have been out. I would have out. The bed. I would have jumped out the window. And we follow. We they use very effective from, from the cinematographer of using the camera with us, so we sort of go with him. And we think it's going to be yeah. under on this side, and so then he goes it's not. And then we, the we see side. it's clear, and it comes up, and oh my god, it's behind him! <laughs> it's behind him. It gets around his neck, and like the whole like mechanical witch, yeah. the mechanical arm going around the neck, actually almost like choked the actual child to death in the background method yeah, oh, yeah um so uh there was like some there's some issues there in fact a lot of like the the very climactic scenes that we're getting into injuries happened mm-hmm. you know they happen you know you can't have yeah. a successful movie if you, know, you don't main you know, your actors you know my philosophy you got to hurt the actors yeah. you got to <laughs> put them in a lot of pain and make them unable to work ever again yeah. And, like, as we get into this, yeah. like, as that occurs, the entity, the beast, then attacks, uh, yeah, sends, sends her, like, up the fucking wall. Oh, my gosh, like, blow, like, because she's, like, in a t-shirt yeah. and then underwear, and it's almost like, I mean, I don't want to say that it's sexual, but it's very, like... I think it's meant to just establish, like, this is... Vulnerable. It's it's, vulnerable. it's vulnerable, and this is, it's violating just the sanctity of, like, the home. Yeah, because it starts pulling yeah. up her yeah. her shirt, and we get her underwear, we get a lot of, we get a lot of panty shots. Mm-hmm. Panty shots There's, happen. I need three more panty and shots. And then, <laughs> next thing we know, she's, like, tumbling on five. the wall, yeah. and how they created that scene was that they rotated the entire set. Yeah. And she hurt her back. Mm-hmm. She hurt her back and I think her neck while she was doing the scene, I and was just it. covered yeah. in bruises because she's just she's like, oh, I mm-hmm. was just getting thrown all yeah. around the room. There was like no safety net. I was getting thrown, <laughs> thrown around, and um, and then she finally is able to get out. Uh, but whenever she tries to go, yeah, she's her children. Yeah, she uh, she gets like pushed from the home. Pretty much. Yeah, she gets pushed out. And though she goes to try and, like, uh, she doesn't really go for help, but she ends up in the pool. This I is thought, the scene I, know, I, I was waiting for. I thought she was trying for. to, like, because, like, she was trying to get to her kids, mm-hmm. but the door shocks her. She kept she got getting knocked shocked. down. Yeah. So, yeah, she, 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 gets, she goes steps. to the children. Mm-hmm. She gets, uh, like, fucking raided and lightning bolted <laughs> by yeah. the, uh, the entity. And then she's eventually, like, blown from the home. And then she ends up in the backyard. She goes, yeah, goes to the backyard. Torrential downpour up. rain as well. Yeah, she go- tries to climb over the fence, and mm-hmm. she's like trying to scream for help. And I think mm-hmm. she almost gets shocked or pushed off the fence, and then she ends up falling. Yeah, as she goes into to run back pool. in the house, she slips in the mud and ends up in mm-hmm. the in the, in the pool. pool. Oh man! My and then the fun, the, the fun oh, begins my gosh. in the whole movie. I was giddy the whole time. Because we had a friend there watching it with us, never seen this movie, and I'm just like, it's like whenever you show a friend a really good movie, and you're like, just like, just you know what scene is the really good one, you're like, look, pay attention, it's gonna get off your phone, like Like, just get to this one, yeah, Yeah. oh man, I love this movie. We have like the close up of like her like in this mud and muck, Uh and we just see, boop, 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 boop. It's skeletons. it's skeletons. Obviously fake skeletons, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Oh Obviously my God. fake skeletons. Can I please? Okay, so basically what had happened was these scientists supposedly had gotten a hand on some skeletons that they got from India that may or may not have been from an actual burial site. And, of course, like their the bodies were sold to science. These scientists had them. They weren't using the skeletons, so they decided to you know give them to movie studios for dirt cheap. In mm-hmm. fact, people are talk that talk about the production were like, "Oh yeah, the studio was like, here's some real skeletons. They're cheaper than plastic." Yeah, it's cheaper to get a real skeleton than, than a it plastic. is. Yeah. yeah, 
in in the eighties at least. I don't, uh, I don't. I I don't know about now. I know a skull goes for like thirty five hundred dollars. Whenever we get money, I want one. I want a human skull. Oh my god! Apparently, David Tennant performed Shakespeare using Tchaikovsky's skull. And he almost got banned, and then he did it anyway. Oh, the pretentious. Theater. Pretentious much. Um, yeah. But um, that's like a fun like, little tidbit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and so um, she had no idea. The actress, Joe Beth, had no idea those were real skeletons. And um, this is what kind of like brings around like the curse of the poltergeist, because mm-hmm. a lot of things happen. Four deaths happen throughout the, the series. The coincidence of the mm-hmm. poltergeist. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, two near-death experiences. But Joe Beth, the the actress who plays Diane, after that scene, she experienced some weird, you know, things happening in her house, like electricity cutting off at a certain time or her alarm going off at certain times or her being woken up at certain times, her picture frames, you know, and stuff in her house being moved around. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, whenever she did find out they were real skeletons, she was not happy about it because she touched yeah. them, mm-hmm. and they touched her, and she did not like yeah. that. And I, it's a little gross. It, I yeah, understand. I get that. I get that. I you get know, that. I get that. Um, you know what? I say, if you put your actors in a pool full of real skeletons, tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Just give them a heads up. You know, I wouldn't be mad if someone was like, Shane, this is a real. We bodies. need you to go swimming with real bodies. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, thank you for telling me. Show me my check stub again. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm game. The check stub's like 50 bucks or some yeah. shit. And I'll then, do it. I, I, it's important, too, because that's when we also get the reveal. of. Okay, we get the reveal of, at first you think, okay, this is like the uh, like this is the entity in some way that's like causing these skeletons to show up. And then we get like, as she's trying to get out. Like the coffin starts shooting up, yeah. Like through when we get the opening reveal of those skeletons, it was like a haunted house that you go yeah. to at the fair. They were just coming out of the yeah. ground with like steam hissing out of yeah. them. And then it's like, and then she, I uh-oh. think she actually gets like the neighbors to come to come by. Yeah, she finally and, she, and like they the neighbors hear help the her children. Out of the pool. Mm-hmm. They help her out of the pool, yeah. and then they hear the children screaming. She goes, "Help me! It's got my babies! Mm-hmm. It's got my babies! Help me!" And they're like, "Nah, yeah, oh <laughs> um, no, no, we're good." We're good. And then take me and um, my dog ugly child back to the house. <laughs> oh my gosh, right. And then I think at that point Steve pulls well, up. At that point he goes back up. She runs back into the house. Mm-hmm. She runs up the stairs and then we get like the really intense like very Spielberg shot of it's the vertigo zolly shot. Yes. Of the hallway. The hallway just like, ever expanding. She's running off a of pure maternal adrenaline. Yeah. It's, like she's it's, got <laughs> It's that like inborn fear in all of us mm-hmm. of like the incongruous the irrational dimensions and this comes up a lot it, in a yeah. lot of films that are revolve around a house and it, it reminds being horror. me of like sleep paralysis or like if you're in a dream and you feel like you're running but you can't move but your body is trying to force you to run but you can't it's, move and so that that's what that zolly to me is kind of recreating mm-hmm. like running in a dream it's this idea of in this house it can be as large or as small as it wants to be on the inside. It's this like unnatural dimensions of this house. Mm-hmm. And this is at play a lot. There's a uh, mini series. I thought it was a movie, Rose Red, which <sighs> brings in a lot of these ideas mm-hmm. of like the, the unnatural, like living of like a home mm-hmm. or. Uh, the novel House of Leaves about someone who finds a hallway in this home that is 
that makes no sense and it goes on forever and ever and ever and seemingly has no end even though it's a small home mm-hmm. that that idea is terrifying to us because our homes are our sanctuaries it's where we feel safe it's it's our home and you're familiar with it. A lot of people, you could close your eyes in your bedroom and you could walk to another room and you would know where you're at. You're yeah. used to that home. Mm-hmm. But imagine if someone took that hallway, extended it, and turned it in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And you just, your house just had these unnatural dimensions mm-hmm. all of a sudden. It's terrifying. I yeah. love mm-hmm. I love the use of that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great shot because also it helps to just like completely establish the... Uh, the mental state mm-hmm. of like she's begged like no not my babies no and then as she's like thrown from the house she's attached she can hear the screaming mm-hmm. she knows what's attempting to be done and that's to pull them back into the into the uh the other realm and then but she's like oh god and then like her running i start it's like this well, yeah, never-ending like like, hallway she goes from like limping because obviously mm-hmm. she's injured limping yeah. to like Full on mm-hmm. mama bear. I'm getting. I'm getting to this fucking yeah. door, and she opens up this door, and, and her it's kids like are just, just hanging on. They're hanging on, and we have like this giant like the the closet is now a giant esophagus, almost like yeah. The, it's like the child or the the house is like swallowing them. Yeah, it's becoming. It's very much like a. Uh, it's very like a, a transformation is occurring. Mm-hmm. It's like this: uh, the beast is no longer like simply uh, contained to that realm. Mm-hmm. It is now like taking over the like the house itself. Right. And uh, boy, oh boy, is that an intense scene of all of them just like ah! like, <laughs> like being sucked Bobby, in. Yeah. Grab my hand, and he's like, he's just like. Just trying not to get, yeah. oh my gosh, the tension of him reaching out and trying to grab mm-hmm. his mom's hand and then trying to grab his sister's yeah. hand. And then it's and like, got pulled in. it would have been closer yeah. for him to just grab his sister's ankle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like right there. But I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm being a, a. I had that thought too. I'm being rational. Yeah. Be, can't be irrational in a movie. But then we get Steve coming home mm-hmm. and he's being, uh, and Teague, his boss, is with him. And then, like, as he runs, he's like, you literally, you look, and the neighborhood is, like, fucking... There are coffins shooting wild. out of the ground in every yard. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's when... Uh, oh, as, my God, he looks at him, he's like, yeah. you moved the... He- like, wait, he's like, you didn't... Uh, you moved uh, the headstones, but you didn't here. move the bodies, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. That, that, didn't you? The entire quote. Liar! You son of a bitch, Fish you moved the headstones, headstones, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You left the bodies, you only moved the headstones. You only, only moved, moved the, the headstones! headstones. Why? 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 And then ah. uh, he runs in after his family, and Teague is just like, <laughs> just like white faced, like oh as, like shit. bodies are shooting out he, of the uh, yards. He, he girl bossed a little bit too close to the sun. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, it's an intense scene. And then as as we get like the the juxtaposition, the like the parallel cutting of the mother Diane attempting to save the children from being pretty much eaten by the house mm-hmm. and then Steve running in and then and we have this giant skull horse thing yeah that yeah. like just I don't even know what yeah. the hell it was some weird monster some fucking weird, weird puppetry it looks like they reused the head from Night of the Demons yeah yeah it, it looked like the same thing I'm sorry Could I'm derailing been. everybody loves a callback yeah um <laughs> but and then we have uh like but we do get a 
sort of happy ending, I guess, because she's able to rescue the children, mm-hmm. and then oh my gosh, the teenage daughter ending. shows up. Yeah, the teenage daughter shows up, and she's like, "What the fuck?" She's got like a braid, like a side braid, and like hickeys yeah. all over her mm-hmm. neck, like <laughs> in a car full of guys. A Trans Am, by the way. Guy ever pulls up in a Trans Am, don't go with them. And also, don't let your daughters go with them. No. I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids, but if it, they pull up in a Trans Am, it, nothing good comes from that. Especially in the year or of Challenger. our Lord 2021, a Trans Am, <laughs> a Trans Am. They haven't made those cars in like two mm. decades. I feel like a good, uh, I guess a good, um, I guess like our version of a Trans Am would be like a Challenger or <laughs> some like. Really like out there kind of muscle. Do we even um, have like muscle cars? Yeah, they're muscle cars. Yeah, yeah. Mustang. <laughs> Shane Brown <laughs> driving a Stang. The Trans Am is an ugly car, and only terrifying people drive them. <laughs> That's fair. Ooh, we should definitely try to watch Christine at some point. We're talking about muscle cars and spirits. But yeah, and so well, that's more of a coup. As, but as she gets back and all the fucking like it's actually a Plymouth Fury <laughs> I love I love the uh, 1968 I love them just trying to get in the fucking car yeah and like, like oh my god the keys oh my god okay out of everything in the movie my anxiety always peaks whenever like she's sitting there and the house is just kind mm-hmm. of flashing you have like all these flashing yeah. lights like okay little fun fact about Summer she gets overstimulated very easily so you have like like the mom is there holding carol ann and she's like steve steve start the car steve 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 start the car steve start the car steve everybody's yelling start the car she's like i'm fucking out and then he, <laughs> he pulls out this janitor fucking yeah keys, which i'm assuming are keys to all the house yeah all the houses maybe. like the yeah. houses he has to go he's a realtor yeah, yeah. He's a realtor. and so he's just like just like fumbling each key just like try like while she's like steve hurry and you have like the flashing lights mm-hmm. and you have like Robbie's going, Mom, Mom, the car. And like the little girl, I mean, the teenage girl's like, What's happening? And yeah. so you have like this panic mode where everyone is freaking the fuck out and you can't find As the, the entire lucky. neighborhood is in like turmoil around them. Oh, and they have coffins yeah. like shooting up. And so he like, he's trying to start the car and he gets the car started. And sure enough, a casket comes flying. I'm surprised it didn't break the windshield. Yeah. And then like a body comes popping yeah, out like- and just presses up against. The freaking uh, the windshield, and they're like, just go, and there's floor it. Yeah, and they hit his boss's car, and his boss is like just standing there, <laughs> and the house just like folds in, it like crushes in on itself. Oh, oh man. man, I love it. It was so good. I- I'm glad they didn't forget the dog. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, because if we is... ever talk about Ann- Amityville, <laughs> there's a similar scene in the Amityville horror whenever they're trying to run away from the house, and the dog gets left behind, and this man was like pretty much possessed on the verge of killing his family. And so now they're in like they're in safety. The little girl's like, "Daddy, what about the dog?" And everyone I, you can hear everyone in the theater just go, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has to run back and try to fight the demons and like try to rescue his dog. With this one they were nice Not enough. Not my pooch. Yeah, they're you know, nice and enough. And this thing too the where the back. the dog sort of um they actually if I remember correctly, they discover where the portal is from the dog. Yes. Because the true horror of the Amityville horror is beginning to use LSD too young. 
That guy, the guy that really killed his entire family with an axe, he was just doing acid a little too early, and broke he, his brain, and, and murdered he was everyone. The devil. Well, there was also like abuse going on. Oh in the yeah. We will. I, I would uh, love. Most to... people who aren't abused don't start using LSD as a fucking child. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely watch. I'm sorry for anyone out there who's Ooh, listening. you know who what? For, for like maybe child. like Thanksgiving, and axe murdered their family. <laughs> you know, like maybe like for like Thanksgiving and stuff like that, we should do family movies like the Amityville. <laughs> yeah, pure pure family fun. Oh my gosh. Uh, a story about his about a father and a son, Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hardcore. Learning to heal. Hardcore? Yeah. Oh my God. That is. Remember, I saw that movie. I thought, this is a Thanksgiving movie. It had a lot of doilies and religious shit all over the house. I was like, this is a Thanksgiving movie somehow. We could also watch Thanks Killing because that's a, that's a really good one. I think, I think we should watch Paranormal Activity. Oh, God. Uh, um, oh. We should. I think. <laughs> it's just not good. It's just not a good film. Okay, we're not. No, no. That. I'm talking about the literal spoof of paranormal yeah, the, activity, yeah. paranormal activity. Oh, I haven't. Where seen Where the leading character fucks the Annabelle doll. Yeah, cheats on okay. his wife with the Annabelle doll. Okay. It's a horrible movie. Okay. I actually liked the first Paranormal Activity. I think it was pretty good, but I thought it was good for what it was. Well, I'm sorry, we're not deliver. all horror film aficionados. Summer. I don't like to ruin my evenings. <laughs> okay, and so, <laughs> they, <laughs> and so, I love the final, the final Thank shot you of this. For that, Tyler, it, I, was about to, I was about to eviscerate poor Shane here. We get Make him cry. <laughs> we get it's look at look into Shane's every night. <laughs> yeah, it's like let me watch art house films I can cry and masturbate to. <laughs> I don't do both at the same time. <laughs> I'm not that talented. <laughs> and so I do think it's funny because, like, we have this odd humor come back into the film where they get to, like, the motel and everybody looks so <laughs> goddamn exhausted. And he, and Steve is just, like, reaching into his pockets again. He's like, Where are the keys at? Just like, the keys and uh, the teenage artist like kind of hands them to him. And he's like, oh, like opens the door and then everybody goes in and then there's a beat and he like rolls out the, the TV, TV. <laughs> and just like we pan out. Oh, and, and then we go like, back to the happy cheerful music. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was it was a roll roll. At yeah, least roll it's win. over now. Yeah. Until they make a bunch more sequels, yeah. which that so we won't discuss. <laughs> so the whole uh, poltergeist curse um, supposedly. Like and again, like with like the whole skeletons being real skeletons, that would kind of, that's what kind of pushed the curse, um, the curse idea story. Really, they kind of a lot of people just kind of ran with it, and uh, the studio kind of used it as marketing mm-hmm. because people were having weird coincidences on set, like um, the writer going to um, you know Spielberg's uh, you know studio or like office, and like the electricity or lightning hitting the minute he types up lightning. Mm-hmm. Like the thunderstorm scene, Ooh. and lightning hit the studio, and the power went out, and the power would go out frequently at Spielberg's office um, around the same time. I think that was like around like uh, like in the middle of the day, always at the same time that the electricity would go out. Oh my God! Rolling blackouts in Los Angeles? Unheard of. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no fucking way. So, um, and so there was that. There was, of course, Joe Beth, Diane's character. She was experiencing some weird shit going on. Uh, Craig T. Nelson was skeptical of everything, um, and also I think him and Joe Beth, 
I feel like they had a thing, but I think they also just like had they had some animosity toward each other on set, even though they played like such a cute couple. Mm-hmm. They had like a lot of animosity uh, toward each other acting. on set. <laughs> uh, marriage. Um, and then we get to the teenager Dominic Dunn, whose father is Dominic Dunn. So you have Dominique, mm. Dominic, and Dominic Dunn I is a that. crime writer. And his daughter, a couple of months after uh, after wrapping it up, she was going to be starring in a um, a TV series called V, which later got rebooted. To about it's like about alien invasion visitors coming. And like taking over the earth. And so she was reading with uh, a friend and her ex-boyfriend shows up, right? Shows up. He's pissed off. He has the intent to kill her. He they, he was abusive uh, prior to this. They were separated for 10 months. He didn't like the idea that she had a guy over. And so she goes outside and he starts attacking her to kind of calm him down. He starts attacking her and her male co-host calls the police and says, hey, I think this dude is trying to kill her. I can't really do anything. I don't know what to do. I'm freezing up. Can you please send in? And the cops said, no, that's not in our jurisdiction. Maybe you should go up and be a man. Told this guy, go be a man and fight him off. You know, you should probably go do something to help her since you're the man. Since you're a man, you should go help her. Oh, my God. And by the time. Domestic violence ending in murder. And by the time he gets there, she's. He's completely strangled her and beaten her to death. She's not responsive. And so then her boyfriend calls the police again and says, hey, I might have killed my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, like she ended up dying from her injuries. But the fact that like, like, you know, they were separated. But the fact that like, uh, you know, so obviously like, you know, something like this happened. The fact that he called the cops and the cops said they weren't going to do anything. And the cops didn't show up till after she was already dead Mm -hmm. and already attacked. Um so that kind of like put like that was in the headlines everywhere mm. about this movie, along with like, you know, find pe- the public finding out about the body. So mm. all this curse hysteria started happening. And then in the second film, um, they decided to buy more skeletons, real life skeletons again and have double them on set and double down. We and, need more bodies. Hit me. And they have um, they have like uh, and Heather who plays um Oh my God! What's the little girl's name in this movie? Uh, Carol Ann. Carol Ann, uh, who plays Carol Ann, uh, which she was really close to Dominique, so she was already upset about mm-hmm. Dominique's death. So they get to the second movie, and they have uh, a Native American man play a Native American shaman. Uh, he was also a shaman in real life, and when he found out they were real skeletons, he's like, "Yo, this is not a vibe. I'm gonna do a cleansing." And then, sure enough, um, after he does the cleansing, he ends up dying. And Craig T. Nelson uh, decides to go visit his grave, and there was a lot of cicadas surrounding his grave, so they're very noisy. And he's talking to, uh, you know, the, to the graveside of this man, saying, "Hey, you know, we really miss you having you on set." And all the cicadas got real quiet, and that's what made Craig T. Nelson a believer of the curse. He's like, yeah, and, I'm gonna go uh, take a piss. Yeah, because he was skeptical <laughs> about everything, and so whenever that happened, he was like, "Oh, I'm I'm not here for that." So we have Dominic's death. We have the shaman's death in the second film. And then we get to the third film. And in the shooting of the third film, same thing, electronical disturbances, stuff getting moved around in people's houses. Uh, the guy who owned the con- the building that they were shooting out of was on set and he was sitting down and went to go to sleep. And so they thought he was asleep and they went to go check on him. He just died. That happened. He just fucking died. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Carol Ann's character, she... Um, 
was sick during shooting and they went in and they had like a whole x-ray done and they kind of you know said it was the flu so they gave her some medication to help her with that only for her to have complications because I think that because they misread her x-ray mm-hmm. and um, she had uh, sepsis. I think she had like some type of infection in her bowels yeah. and she became sepsis and she ended up dying before they could finish wrapping Poltergeist 3. Yeah. If you if you've ever wondered like why her cheeks are so like puffy, it's a side effect of uh, her illness. Mm-hmm. It, it just when your body's inflamed like that. It makes your cheeks really puffy. It makes your arms really puffy. You're just inflamed. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad that something that made her so unique and so cute. And what's what's, uh, even worse that the writer had a very deep connection with her and the family. And so he was Mm -hmm. invited to the funeral. You know, everything like that. Just really distraught about it. And everyone agreed that they did not want to release Poltergeist 3. Yeah. They did not want to release a movie that had a dead girl in it. They did not want to have to put her family through that. I'm uh, fine the with studio... the 97 skeletons we yeah, have. <laughs> yeah. And the studio is like, hey, look, you either, we either, y'all either finish this and we get it out there or we're going to get someone else to do it. And so they had no choice because they were pushed by the studios to release the film. And the mother, whenever she went, her daughter had just died. So she goes to see the film and the people in front of her go, ugh. Look at how fat the kid got. Oh. Because they didn't realize no. that she had died and the mother had to sit there and hear that. Like somebody was making fun of her baby for looking fat and her she's like, "My daughter just died." And like like and you're complaining that she looks fat on camera. And uh so they're very upset with the studio mm-hmm. and they've been always vocal about it. But yeah, this was kind of like um, the production of this was like a shit show. <laughs> kind I of can ordeal. imagine. Yeah. You know, people were getting injured. People were having weird, uh, people were dying, having near death experiences. Like there was definitely tension on set. Uh, but overall, like I haven't seen, I haven't seen the last two films, uh, but I do plan on going to after revisiting this one. But this has always been like, I feel like there's always like a set list of Halloween films. Mm-hmm. And whenever we release this, it will be on Halloween. So happy Halloween. Maybe we'll do happy a live Happy Halloween. Yeah, maybe we'll, you know what? I wouldn't mind doing like a fun like little Carve Halloween. your pumpkins, take some acid, kill your family, kill your family, kill your family, kill your family. Don't forget the popcorn. Um, I wouldn't mind doing like some kind of fun live stream on Halloween. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what you we know, do. we can play a drinking game we'll or something, watch a movie with, with everybody. But, um, but yeah, uh, so like when a Halloween comes around, you have... Your John Carpenter's Halloween. You have um, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. You have uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. and you have Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this is that I always call this movie a family movie, even though this is not a movie for children. But I always remember watching it with my family, and Spielberg has such like, uh, you know, family friendly yeah, motifs. Like he, like, he kind of does something for you. Can get everybody, everybody of all ages can enjoy a Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Can and... someone please end Stranger Things? <laughs> please, it's gone on long enough. We get it. You like Steven Spielberg? <laughs> Give it a rest, please. Give it a rest. Even Steven's tired of it. Um, yeah, no, the move that Stranger Things is just like a continuation of Super Eight. I feel like, um, but it's yeah. just a continuation of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> it's just Spielberg, different 
episode topics. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're going to get lost in a wormhole in five hours later. Oh, you mean like, like the characters from I... the first season of Stranger Things? <laughs> or the characters in Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Oh, my God. Right? What's, the, what's the similarity? Yeah, I mean, you did mention there's like a lot of Alice in Wonderland tropes. Yeah, no, that was one thing I did uh, notice in uh, sort of in thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, this uh, this is kind of like a demented Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. vaguely because we do have this Alice, at least in the cartoon and everything adapted from the cartoon, uh, very like symbolically pure looking. She has blonde hair, deep blue eyes, very fair skin. And she's taken down this rabbit hole of, uh, into this otherworldly realm, uh, where she's seen as like this, uh, like saving force. Similar to this movie, we have a very, like, Alice-looking character. Blonde hair, very fair skin, very deep blue eyes, who is, uh, doesn't exactly choose to go, <laughs> she's violently sucked into this, uh, demon realm, uh, but because she has such a powerful light force that it sort of is, uh, it can be used by the beast to sort of, like, protect itself, uh, hmm. but yeah, there was, like, vaguely, I think it's more so, like, it's a light dusting touch up. I don't think it's meant to be like I, I a guess, super. But also, like, it's just young girl taken somewhere else. Yeah, like you can attach Alice in Wonderland to that. Mm-hmm. It would be more Alice in Wonderland if we went with her into this. Yeah, like, no, realm. And, and that's important too. But it we're is, just seeing like that would be like the equivalent yeah. of making a cartoon about I don't know Alice's parents looking yeah. for yeah, like just wandering through the woods like I just. Uh. Yeah, where's my kid? But I think well, maybe maybe she fell down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh, you're so fucking stupid! Why would yeah. she go down a rabbit hole? You know, I, just like domestic argument in the mm-hmm. woods about where their daughter is. Yeah, I think. What do you think is worse, being trapped in another dimension, or getting eaten by a fucking tree? Oh, easy, tree. easy. Tree. The tree. tree. It's kind I would of over say quick. Tree, and yeah. the only thing worse than the tree is being choked out by a clown doll. Okay, the clown. Okay, can we go into the 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 boy of like annihilating oh. the clown doll oh, though? Oh, I'm you. scared. I'm worried about apart. him. Yeah. He rips it apart. Like he's like pulling his like guts out. Like I mean, like first of all, this little boy has gone through like. <laughs> I was about to make a 9-11 joke. That's so fucked up. All right, let's give it a pause. <laughs> Just bleep it out. Yeah, he's like like beyond traumatized. First, he gets eaten by a tree. Mm-hmm. Then he watches his sister get sucked through a portal, and his family just totally collapse around him. Mm-hmm. And then he gets assaulted by a fucking clown doll. A clown doll he's already terrified of. Yeah, he's already. Which, why would Once you have again, that? Why did you Don't have buy that? your kids a fucking clown doll. Yeah. If your child is scared of a doll, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. If your child is scared of something, get rid of it. I don't give a shit how you have to get rid of it. Don't burn it, but like get rid of it. Give it to burn the, it. Yeah. Give it to nothing. Give gonna it to, happen. Yeah, give it to somebody else's house. So they can be fucking. Give it to like. Give it to the doll. next door neighbor. Like there are a whole bunch of putzes. Give it to them. You can burn it. Ghosts aren't. Real. No, it was actually that son's given name was Putz. <laughs> putz. <laughs> no, uh, I think something interesting though is, uh, and I noticed this. I don't know how I never really put this connection together because I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. I love the Twilight yes, Zone. Yes, please, please go into this. But I uh, hadn't really noticed it. And I had seen this episode more recently. I've seen it a few times. So it's called Little Girl Lost. And uh, it's pretty much just like my guess is this is uh, a heavy inspiration because I believe the episode came out in it was season three. So it probably would have been around like 1963, 1964. Uh, and 
it's pretty much about a um, a father awakens in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, to uh, like and he hears something and he goes into his daughter's room, or he's trying to like he can't find out where his daughter is, but he can like hear her, and uh, like their dog is barking from outside, lets the dog, and the dog sort of like goes in like after her and he sort of then he's like very confused because they can hear her but she they can't find her anywhere but they only hear her like in this room he calls a physicist friend of his over and he's pretty much like yeah you're uh your uh daughter he like draws the door and he goes uh there's like an interdimensional portal <laughs> in this room for some reason uh this is like this is your daughter's in another dimension uh and then, like, he reaches in, and, like, they, where the door is, they reach in, and they can, like, pass into the other realm. Uh, and then, actually, in sort of a, a very obvious, I think, homage to it, the uh, the man, the father, goes in after the daughter and is, like, walking around in the realm and, like, finds her, gets her, like, with the dog. The dog was, like, sent in to protect her, as in sort of, like, Again, in the novelization, there's it's a little more explicit that there's like a spirit protecting Caroline, but uh, but she does like find safe haven among the uh, mm-hmm. the the not evil spirits. What we're told from the medium, but the dog protects her, and then it helps to like guide her back to the father. And then when they get there, when the the father like it's pulled back through, he was like, "What happened?" And he was like, "Well." He was like, you were only ever halfway through the portal, even though he was represented as walking through this realm trying to find the girl. He was like, you were only ever halfway through, but as you were in there, like they could, he couldn't communicate back to them. He, uh, he's like, the wall was, the door was closing. He was like, I could actively feel it closing around you. And he, as I pulled, and as he's pulled out, he was, I had you run my, I had my arms around your waist the entire time, and then he. Uh, as everyone's there, the dog, the daughter, and the father are all there with the mother and the fi- the, fi- the physicist. He goes and he knocks where the door was and everything's closed back up. And, uh, yeah, it's... If you like Poltergeist, take a watch of this movie, of this uh, episode of The Twilight Zone called Little Girl Lost. I believe you can still find it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they moved to Hulu. Yeah, if it's on Hulu. Okay, yeah. well... Torrented. I don't care. It was on Netflix about five yeah. years ago. Get a hold of get a hold everything, of the series. Everything that's good on Netflix only lasts like a week now, and then it's on Amazon Prime, or it's yeah, or it's uh, on Hulu. Watch more Twilight Zone. Rod yes. Serling and yes. uh, his collection of writers probably they're responsible for a, a a big chunk of the zeitgeist. I feel like, especially oh, yeah. in like science fiction for uh, pop like cultural science fiction. There's also a lot of stuff fiction. from uh, from Night Gallery. Yeah, that's been moved like used in more modern day uh, horror films. Yeah, there's a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff. And again, some episodes kind of don't hold up. Like in Little Girl Lost, the uh, there is power in the imagination of not seeing the other realm mm-hmm. because in this realm, it's just sort of like. Pretty much, they just like flip the 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 footage upside down and mm-hmm. do all these different like like flares and things, but it still works overall because mm-hmm. it, again, it is a, a concerned parent attempting to rescue like their child, and it's mm-hmm. it's a really powerful episode. It's it's really interesting. It has some like science gobbledygook in it that's a little more like explicitly like like confusing than Poltergeist, but deep down, it's a very should, similar uh, film. We have to save. 
the Twilight Zone discourse for its own episode oh, because yeah. oh, I, I could was, list like I was, 15 yeah, episodes. I was literally oh, just yeah. about to say like eventually like um, on top of adding streaming to this where we either have like movie nights or we mm-hmm. try to play a video game like an old old school video game or a cult video game I would eventually love to delve into the topic of TV series that yeah. have a huge cult following mm-hmm. like Twilight Zone or Buffy yeah. or um, Twin Peaks. Fire, Twin, oh yeah. my yeah, there's a lot of like cult huh, TV yes. shows that Please, uh, let's do a, a lot of them. The times of our lives. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, the funny thing about Twilight Zone is it <laughs> ran the days for of our like lives. Excuse a me. Long I'm sorry. Time. I don't know what that schlock is. <laughs> but soap uh, operas are cult. They're camp, actually. Man. So in like in thinking about this film, like, what are y'all's like final thoughts on it? Because I. I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I'm so glad I watched it again I, with yeah. fresh I eyes. It. I love yeah, it. this is um, so. Yeah, this is one of my favorites because it is, it is a quintessential Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, even like, and even though it, like it has moments where it does dive into horror tropes, it also kind of breaks horror tropes. And I have mm-hmm. a note where it's like, yeah, like instead of like sinister music playing in the in the intro, mm-hmm. touching you that know, something ominous is afoot, you have something more lighthearted. Um, instead of like having like a basement or an attic, it's uh, it's a closet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have like all these like little different things. Um, you know, like you have like a lot of like wish fulfillment in this. Uh, but I I feel like this goes down as one of the best Spielberg films, even though it's not directed by Spielberg. Yeah. Um, Man, we're of- just not giving enough credit to uh, uh, Tobe Hooper. Tobe Hooper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Chainsaw another. Yeah. Day. He'll get his time in the sun. <laughs> um, I think that uh, just overall as a film, it's really well done. And again, uh, it's not considered a family film, but this is a family film. This is something I mean, you could watch. I first I mean, watched it's it. certainly a film about a family. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I first watched it with my mother and my dad, mm-hmm. so I could I can definitely I see how. I first watched it as a kid. In fact, mm-hmm. here's uh, like this episode. one of episodes. my first horror films. Here's this episode's segment of a Shane story. I had this great-grandmother. She did not have a television in her house. She was kind of a religious fundamentalist. Sent us Christmas cards every year saying that we were going to go to hell because we didn't believe in God enough. Mm -hmm. Um, She had one movie and one TV. And the one movie she had was Poltergeist, which is endlessly hilarious to me. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, I watched it Well, I guess there's something comforting in, like, like, an afterlife and, like... Yeah, but wouldn't that movie kind of break all of your beliefs... I feel like I feel like I mean, in, in a way because like the medium was, um, you know, could kind of came off as like religious. I guess so. It could be like you know she's using God's gift of discernment. But it is like a classical thing like, of like leave, I think liberate that a family extreme, from all this like, evil influence. Extreme like conservative like because I had several friends in school who it's like it's like you have like your like regular friends I feel like a lot of time where it's like almost everybody's parents are like yeah like watch a horror movie it's like a thing kids do it's like it's a fun mm-hmm. thing it's, yeah. it's a fun leisure well, we, activity we do we, we are in the bible belt so yeah. we're gonna have I like a lot them. more yeah. and then uh, I was never like a huge fan of them but I liked like communal stuff because I had a bunch of friends who were obsessed with it and I would always love to like fuck with them while they were watching it mm-hmm. uh but yeah it, there's there are, there's some people it's the same thing as like the Harry Potter thing where it's yeah. horror movies Heavy metal music. Uh, all it these all things. brings in the evil, yeah. the evil spirits are gonna bring into the house. Yeah, like it's it's goofy. But yeah, yeah. I, I have I have a lot of relatives who kind of have that mindset. 
But um, that's you very know, funny like, though, Shane. And this, <laughs> that was the one know, movie she had. <laughs> I I've watched this movie I think every fall. And you don't even like a kid. horror films, and that's another big yeah. thing about this movie. Even people I'm learning who don't, to love them more because of y'all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like even people who don't like horror films or don't really care for like Halloween, they'll watch this. It's movie. a good movie. It's a comforting movie that we've all grown up with. I wouldn't necessarily say comforting uh, <laughs> for you again because you're a goblin. Uh, no, but uh, I, I think I go to sleep to this. movie. I think it because for me it it <laughs> it's feels not scary. It's more like a thriller than something. It had there's so many moments of it where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm. It's it's it makes your heart beat. Like that off Well, there's, little you know, bit. and horror, there's so many interpretations to horror. I feel like a lot of people who don't really understand the genre think it's all blood, yeah. guts, and tits. And while blood, those are th- those are staples, and mm-hmm. we 100% support blood, guts, and tits in this household, we are a blood, guts, and tits family. Mm-hmm. That's just who we are. <laughs> um, you know, and like... Um, there's still like there's you, horror is like one of those things like we have been telling ghost stories since the mm-hmm. dawn of time. Yeah, it has been so, like and so many different cultures have different ways of telling an effective ghost story or um, a tragedy. And horror can be blended into almost any genre. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you dive into like the different subgenres of horror, uh, you really find some like hidden gems and like ways to kind of use um you know, like use the genre to kind of like use like your imagination, like, and it's not taken seriously for some reason. It's never been really that taken seriously in, um, in like you know, like the uh, the prestigious like film communities, mm-hmm. and that kind of gives like a lot of people a lot of freedom. Freedom, like mm-hmm. I I knew someone who had a sister in law who was born without a certain valve that connected her adrenal gland to her heart, so she never really experienced fear. She never experienced. Odd. She's never experienced fight or flight, but it's a my. It's a, a fucking superhero. But you can get like a minor surgery to fix that. So she got this surgery because she wanted to mm-hmm. kind of like develop those experiences. And also, it's like it's really important to have to develop your fight or flight and to yeah. have your adrenal gland working properly to your heart, so you know. I respect. I respect wanting to do that. Uh, is it reversible? Can they like remove <laughs> yeah. that I for me? I don't know. I, I think I've felt I enough but, fear. But anyway, so what happens is they go on a trip to Hawaii and they decide to hike up a volcano. She gets to the top of the volcano and she looks down and she starts having heart palpitations and has to be taken down. And she has what she experiences a heart attack when in actuality it was a panic attack. Yeah. But she has never felt fear or like the physical like you know, like um, I guess, like the uh, the physical. What's the word I'm looking for? Basically, like sensation. Sensation. Yeah. yeah. The, and she's the manifest, never had, the physical manifestation. She's never had of like the, an adrenaline rush response. to her heart. She's never had like yeah. the the psychosomatic like response to fear. And she thought that she was dying and having a heart attack. And I'm like, could you imagine a horror film where somebody who's never felt fear ever in their entire life? What would that be to to finally develop your fight or flight at like toward the end of your life? Because that would mean everyday things like fireworks going off or, you know, like almost getting hit by a bus. Everything would be times 10. And, you know, we all kind of have like our own triggers and our own PTSD Mm -hmm. or our own trauma and our own like, you know, little things that set us off. Maggots. Maggots. And so, you know, like it would just like that to me, that would make for a good an effective horror film. Yeah, no, it's definitely because how an would you odd thing. That? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's 
violently interesting. No one can take that idea. That's on record. That is my intellectual property. I think we're just going to cut this whole part. Yeah. <laughs> what? No. I think it kind of ties into it because, um, you know, talking about horror and like the love of horror. And so this this movie is universal, universally loved. It is an American film. It is a classic American film. Yeah. I mean, Poltergeist is one of those. It's always on like a top list of uh, of just like. In every network. It's on every network. Yeah, it's, it's, on every fall. If you're going to watch a movie like good Halloween movies or even just like a good horror film or just a good like film it's one of those that like can sneak into like multiple different categories Mm -hmm. which is very important to have um, these sort of films that transcend genre Mm -hmm. because genre is such a a funny little fickle thing Mm -hmm. it's just uh, we've attached things to it Uh, it's like Shane said it's a great movie it's Mm -hmm. technically really well done Uh, visual effects I believe industrial uh, who's the company that always does uh, it's like industrial light and magic yeah industrial light and magic who they are like the precursor and the like the forefathers of uh, every VizFX company working today. They worked on this mm-hmm. film. Uh, shocker, uh, Spielberg was the one who was there like every day, like doing VizFX with them, like supervising it. Oh my goodness. He had, yeah, uh, he had his hand in everything. Yeah, but again, just an excellent. Uh, I feel like one day we're going to be working on set and Steven Spielberg is just yeah. going to show up, fucking take over. And he's like, hey, you're doing a good job. What if we did this? That's Steven fucking Spielberg. Yeah, but but soon you're like out know? of the director's yeah, chair. He's like, in it. Floating head just wandering around. See, See, you say that, but knowing you and how you get when it, whenever you're doing your own project, Tyler, mm-hmm. I feel like if Steven Spielberg came up to you and said, Tyler, we're not doing it your way, you're going to be like, ha, 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 let me tell you all, you're wrong, Steven. Well, <laughs> it depends on how much money Steven's willing to give us. That is very true. I can be bought for a very specific amount of money. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's just, it's a very good, like, it's, there's only, like, small things to pick at, and those are just, if you really want to, like, find something wrong with it overall yeah it's a fantastic film um, it's smartly written too which i appreciate i, really, I noticed yeah. i noticed one like continuity error whenever ryan is holding the rope there's the scene of him like wrapping his yeah. hand around yeah. the rope and then the very next shot he's just got both hands on it mm-hmm. that's the only problem i've ever noticed in this film and whenever i tell you i've watched it like every year and that I, is yeah, 26 and see, watches mm-hmm. and i can see where like some of the effects would be considered outdated by today's standards but, they but still even work then fine. They, they work they look good, fine yeah. they look great rotoscoping is needs to be used more it needs yeah. to be yeah. brought back cuz it has something really terrifying to the quality of it of like uh, it just and, looks scary and again i love that they use puppets I'm a mm-hmm. big puppet person. I like I like that they use kind of like some more practical effects. There's some like fun, like really like the whole like effect of like the throat, mm-hmm. like um, that's yeah. like built into the closet. Like was, that's that looks like a fun little bounce house slide. I, I love the practical effect of injuring all of your actors. Just yeah, yeah, very yeah, no, just, uh, yeah, very effective. Very yeah, effective. Yeah. The clown, <laughs> they're like the robotic clown mm-hmm. monster. Oh my gosh. That could not like also, you can't CGI. I'm gonna say it's fantastic marketing of fucking murdering your like the the least important actor of this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I I wanted oh. to say it. I knew Tyler would get to it. Pure marketing. <laughs> oh, I feel like I feel like. Are they we kinda gonna do took... the Exorcist at any point? I would hope or is so. That I one would too like pop in. Like, no, it's mainstream. A, so it's, it's a cult film. It's, it's pretty mainstream, you know, as far as like when it comes to horror. Like that's like yeah. a, like a more mainstream horror film, but there is like yeah, there's a cult following to mm-hmm. that. Like yeah. 
we're going to be touching on more like mainstream horror films as well as like little hidden gems like yeah. you know like the toxic avenger and like night Patrolmas. of the demons yeah night of the demons hey that actually has a pretty big following uh mm. they're just really they just now started like a couple of places are like releasing merch uh for night of the demons and it's going to be all summer rose yeah. <laughs> purchasing yeah yeah it's just, like you can get like whole, it's going to be their invoice savings like we have one person who's like really into this merch. I think about the amount of memory I wasted in my brain that I just know killer clown scenes and night of the demon scenes mm-hmm. now and I just think about them all the time But they're fun. They are fun. Because it's they fun. Are fun. Shane like I'm not fun, I guess. <laughs> I'll say this. I think that uh and we can wrap up mm-hmm. soon after this uh but I think it's important to to look at like again we we we've, we've spoken about like the idea of the cult film too and mm-hmm. the uh this classifies a cult film. Even something like the the thing which we reviewed is uh, their classical great cinema. We have this mm-hmm. idea that mm-hmm. cult film is uh, sort of ingrained of oh well because it just has an underground following. These aren't like good. It's not. Yeah, it's inherently and, lacking in some way. And like really, like it is. Uh, it is your fan base. Like yeah. we tend to get caught up, especially like as filmmakers, as film students. We try to. We tend to get caught up in like the highbrow. You know, like your your like little like kind of um, highbrow cinema. Marta Bergman. <laughs> yeah, you know your highbrow like cinema. You know your your cine snobs, whatever you want to call it. You know that kind of like a film needs to be transcendent. A film needs to be something that's an art piece. But at the end of the day, like, you know, like that's like such a um, well, that's like a really, you know, fun scene to be a part of. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a really cool collective because film is an art form. There's also like, you know, you have your you have like your 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 Picassos, you have your Renoirs, but then you have your pop art, you have your Mm -hmm. comic books, you have your you know, that's an art. You have your like manga like that's an Mm -hmm. art form in itself, but it's something that's more easily accepts a a, a sex. uh, Sorry. Getting all, getting all. Se- it's all accessible, <laughs> accessible to like your everyday, you know, yeah. your man. Like you're the people that are going to the theaters, the people like your your average Joe's going to the theaters, your girlfriend's, uh, you know, dragging you to go see this horror film mm-hmm. so she can clutch onto your arm. Like these movies have such a deep connection to their audience. So if they get snubbed, so if the film gets snubbed by critics, it doesn't matter what the critics have to say because the fans are still going and watching this movie. The fans are still buying merch surrounding this movie. The fans are writing fan fiction and writing their own short stories based around this movie. They're taking a a piece of, uh, you know, a piece of art and making it their own, and they're taking something, and um. You know, it has like such a deep. They're having like such a deep emotional uh, emotional connection that they're keeping that alive. Like, there's probably lots of films that we've forgotten about. Yeah. That if we go back to it, it's like, oh my god, I love this movie, blah blah blah. But I never see it talked about on this channel, mm-hmm. or I never hear, or I never hear this person talking about it anymore. Yeah, and that goes back to the idea of, uh, which is why why I think streaming and uh, home distribution is so important, especially streaming now in the mm-hmm. modern day of. Because the a lot of these movies got really popular with both home like home video mm-hmm. release and also just like uh, Shane's favorite thing like independent theaters that had yes. just control over what they wanted to run and yeah it that's a part of it it uh, it's how many uh, quote unquote maybe not a masterpiece or like mm-hmm. a master class of cinema even though like past like couple of movies we've watched I feel like there's there's been we we've reviewed. A, 
quite a few like great movies. The oh, thing yeah. is yeah. the standout for me yeah. that we've done so far. Oh, yeah. it's I, like this I is agree. quintessential like watching for I've watched it two more times. The, the art but form. But whenever it came out it was not taken yeah, seriously. Yeah, a critical uh, a critical and technical commercial failure. And so mm-hmm. it's this idea of uh this is also why this is another story, but this is why like digitization and archiving of like any medium is super important. There's yeah. a very uh, we can do an episode entirely on just like that alone because like video games is a very interesting thing of like how difficult it is to like go back and like learn from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for not only people who want to like experience it as an art form, but for people creating it and developing them yeah. and story That's a whole other episode, but. Uh, yeah, it comes down to how many masterpieces or like really good, like powerful films have been lost just to they didn't necessarily have like, they a were, great they were run. marketed correctly. Like, exactly. A good modern day version of this is uh, Jennifer's Body. Whenever yeah. that came out, the angle was Megan Fox plays a hot demonic cheerleader. Ooh, let's oogle her. But then you actually watch the film and it's it has a smart, really good. Yeah, it's a it's, smart little it's feature. A, it's a smart little feature. It. It's, it's a smart good. little feature. It talks about. Um, you know, uh, it talks about queer baiting. It talks about it has like a lot of homosexual uh, undertones. It talks about you know girl the whole monster like monster mm-hmm. girl her, yeah. girlhood trope, and it start it's starting to become very popular with this younger generation mm-hmm. that's coming out because they're like they're making TikToks about it. They're dressing mm-hmm. up as Jennifer for Halloween. So we're seeing a film become a cult classic just from like this like modern day when is like, Transformers teenagers. One? <laughs> or, or the cult arena. Oh my gosh, maybe. But like another uh, another movie that's so like whenever whenever Rob Zombie first came onto the scene, yeah. he was obliterated by critics, by horror fans, especially whenever he did the remakes for Halloween. Mm-hmm. He uh, was never taken seriously with his music, and then like I mean, I remember listening to White Zombie and Rob Zombie and watching his films and being just he was totally like you know made fun of. By everyone else in the alt community, especially older men in the alt community, uh, only to see their teenage daughters on TikTok dressing up as Captain Spaulding and Baby and the whole Firefly Firefly family. So that's like, you know, me seeing like teenagers passing on mm-hmm. like these modern day movies that were kind of, um, you know, kind of like pushed underneath the rug. Let's not make the mistakes of the generations that came before us and be the whole, like, name three albums. Like, yeah. people to these kids. Oh, I hate I'm that. so excited to see, like, younger people engaging with these things and getting into them. It makes like, me, it, it makes, makes me yeah, happy. it makes me so yeah. happy. It's the, because uh, that's how everybody comes into anything. I mean, nobody comes upon something. Like, I, I, I like a lot of the things I used to get made fun of for school is like now popular yeah. mainstream and I'm like good I'm glad yeah, I'm glad it's, no it's one's important. getting bullied for listening and, to Rob Zombie too, it's like it's like Zombie Rob Zombie Zombie where's that I'm the executive Bob Zombie this is Universal Bob Executive where's that Dob Zambly fella the, the weird one who looks like a homeless man got eaten by a goat oh my gosh my favorite his my favorite Joe Rogan interview is his interview like the one that uh, Joe did with him because he's like, yeah, your first day in New York, you witnessed someone get murdered. He goes, yep. Yeah. That's just New York. Though, <laughs> Are y'all going to make me go on another Joe Rogan rant? We, Don't we, say that name we have, around we me. We have so much rant time here. But no, I think that's super important. Too, I will uh, say this on the air. I hope Joe Rogan gets hit by a bus. He'll probably eat the bus. And he's got gorilla DNA. Satire. Satire. Satirical. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> I think it's super important, though, like you said, because even to this day, like we also get people get locked into comfort things like you were saying, like, oh, I watched this movie because it's like very comfortable for me. It's like but it's like 
Shane might not have like rewatched this movie like yeah. this year, or I I wouldn't have rewatched this year. And it is the mm-hmm. exposure of why I like this podcast so much is because because everybody brings in a different choice. We get to expose people to movies that right. we consider either uh, this is paramount to uh, my artistic vision or just something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I think would, even if it's not something you necessarily like, mm-hmm. it's a film that it's like this needs to be known more. Mm-hmm. And that's how I get like a lot of my music references is my friends showing me like their Spotify playlists. I'm like, this is really this good. Is, this is what makes movies movies because yeah. this is what makes media like transcend, like, you know, like not transcend, but like continue on mm-hmm. is passing it down. Especially yeah. like even though like we have like the Internet and we have um pretty much everything at our fingertips. There's so much content to go through. There's mm-hmm. so many films on Criterion. There's so many films on Hulu, on Amazon Prime, on Netflix. And so we're bombarded with all these options. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not everybody can dedicate to like an hour to a film that yeah. they may or may not like. But what about Crackle? Have we considered Crackle? Have we, have we forgotten about Crackle? Have we forgotten about <laughs> our, our forefathers? <laughs> um, they died yeah, in the so... trenches. <laughs> And so, you know, my biggest thing whenever I was in film school is I was very much into film preservation. Mm-hmm. And film preservation starts with the fans. And, you know, fans of that film that want to protect that piece of media and that want to continue it on. Because we have lost, like, in the history of cinema, we have lost so much from the studio fires, from video going to digital, uh, the de- you know, the death of the video store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, there are some movies that, aren't on DVD. Yeah, they can't can, be accessed. They, they yeah. can't be accessed. You can only watch it on VHS. Mm-hmm. And they actually have VHS swap meets over in Austin. Oh my God. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, I love video. Mm-hmm. And there's even some there's even some DVDs that you can't stream. Like yeah. You can only buy that DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like, we have like, uh, I think like there was like one very famous actress in Hollywood in the 20s. She did over 100 films and mm-hmm. only seven seconds of footage yeah. mm-hmm. remains of her movies. I could, I could talk for another three hours yeah. just about film preservation. It's something that's uh, very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm i tearing up a little bit just thinking about mm-hmm. all of the film that's lost, all the yeah. film that's being saved. Uh, yeah, th- someone once said that 90% or even more of films made before 1940 aren't in existence anymore. Yeah. And those are extravagant sets. I mean, people, you know, like we, we see like an hour of footage, two hours of footage, mm-hmm. right? That hour of footage probably took two or three years to get made. Yeah, they're... They're, they're long processes. You're dealing with so many people. Like you're dealing with like multiple departments, multiple... Um, you know, multiple figures, multiple people who are putting their time sweat from like the producer that's getting with the backers to the PAs that are getting coffee to the custodians that come and sweep up mm-hmm. afterward. You are creating an entire world and so much thought and effort goes mm-hmm. into this. And it's so it's it's a part of people's life. Yeah. And we can um, we can get into like the mm-hmm. like the separation of uh, like there's another reason like why there were so many films like pre like even pre 1940 of just how like how the studio system worked and things like that. But also it's important to remember mm-hmm. just like my comment on this is uh, when we do think of this, when we even discuss these things like film preservation and like, especially talking about like, like how the studios is, uh, we're just talking about the American market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are so many different cinema yeah. markets that like those movies, uh, like especially if they're gone in the U S market, like from like they were American films. So there's so many different uh, other uh, international, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. like the term international, 
uh, like non-English films, like non-American mm-hmm. films that I'm, aren't look, there. I look mean, at, uh, I might butcher this name, but uh, Satyajat Ray mm-hmm. is, uh, was a director, a filmmaker in India, and he had this beautiful trili- trilogy. Uh, the Apu uh, trilogy. The Apu trilogy. And they were almost completely destroyed in a warehouse fire. And through years and years of work between Criterion, the American Film Association, and uh, Martin Scorsese's Foundation for the mm-hmm. Preservation of Film, they were able to piece these films back together, mm-hmm. scan them one frame at a time, having to like flatten them. Mm-hmm. having to cut new sprocket holes because they were melded together by the heat. Mm-hmm. They were able to bring back these absolutely beautiful films. Mm-hmm. And without all of that attention and all that love for the medium, mm-hmm. those films wouldn't exist. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to remember, too, it's like we taught this idea of, like, the Apu series or Apu Trilogy was saved because it, like, it was a cultural, like, Mm-hmm. Like landmark of and, uh, uh, bo- I, on a Indian side note, cinema. Bollywood is something that I would love to dive into mm-hmm. because Bollywood is camp. Yeah, no, Bollywood can, very can get very campy, but it's also very beautiful and a very interesting because Bollywood isn't necessarily all of Indian cin- cinema. Yeah, no, like uh, the approach trilogy is violently different than yeah, what would be considered Bollywood. Bollywood but yeah. Bollywood is something that uh, that I would love. You yeah, know, it's it's it's, it's very interesting. Like one of my mentors, uh, he was. Uh, uh, Afghani, but he grew up watching a lot of Bollywood cinema. Mm-hmm. That's how he learned how to speak. Like he understood Hindi uh, from just watching Bollywood movies and mm-hmm. reading Bollywood magazines uh, and listening to the music. But yeah, it's it's also important to remember. Like we do talk about this idea of like saving like the good films. But it is important too of like mm-hmm. it's nice to just have a collection of like everything to understand. Save because, the bad ones. Yeah, I'm, exactly. Save it's the bad still ones. The art save form, the yeah. good ones. Mm-hmm. You know what? I mean, take that camcorder. Killer, that, yeah, killer, that's in your yeah. closet. Mm-hmm. Take the fucking disc out of it. Mm-hmm. See if there's still something on it. Save that shit. It doesn't matter. Just you save know, and, it. And Killer Clowns and Night of the Demons, they might mm-hmm. be like fun, like little campy, mm-hmm. like, you know, fodder. But they've also been referenced so much and a lot of like, and they've been parodied so much mm-hmm. in different forms of like, you know, animation or media, like in like later on after those films came out that it's part of the iconography. Yeah, no. It's... I mean, I've seen stuff recreated in other shows and other um movies from films i've never seen mm-hmm. yeah it's a part of it it is the uh once a, a piece has been once a once a, a a scene has been shot a a film has been edited a movie has been released and viewed it's a part it's the moment it's viewed by somebody it's a part of the lexicon it's a part mm-hmm. of the language of cinema and the language of cinema is important to it's important to understand these things mm-hmm. and to like know like what influence what to experience those things well because it's it, you, you can go and say like uh like how i can tell y'all like how little like uh little girl lost is a heavy influence on this until mm-hmm. you like experience it yourself it's a different you don't have that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. uh yeah and it's important to do that but yeah we're getting a little bit off topic little, well, yeah, but no yeah topic. we're running a little been, long anyway but this has been great yeah um, this yeah. is like something i definitely would love um the fans, the those viewers or like listeners to really kind of understand mm-hmm. where we're coming well, from. Yeah. Why we're talking about all these films. On film preservation, there's countless documentaries on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We could just do a stream one day mm-hmm. and just 
discuss it. Y'all can watch me cry. I'll cry on oh camera. Oh my gosh! I yes. almost cried just now, mm-hmm. just talking about it. So no, I will a, definitely a highly cry. Thing, yeah. And there's like lots of fun, free, campy films and old B movies that are absolutely yeah. free on YouTube that we could just turn on and watch for fun. Yeah. You know, for funsies. Yeah. We can and have an eight-hour stream yeah. if Hassan and then someone will see Piker it and can take have an eight-hour stream yeah. screaming and, about politics. And also, even if you are a uh, if you are a filmmaker, I know, especially like there's this idea of a lot of times a filmmaker, an artist in general, photographer, everybody starts and they want to be making what they consider like art. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot, it, it's difficult to like, it's hard to like come out of that and be like, okay, I'm okay to like experiment. I'm okay to, un- to learn and mm-hmm. to grow. And yeah, if you're an artist, like go outside of your wheelhouse, like watch if you don't if you're like super into french new wave go watch like schlocky stuff from like the 70s and 80s go watch these weird movies because again everything's a part of that language of cinema mm-hmm. that language mm-hmm. of art overall yeah go and experience i always tell people like they're like oh you watch a lot of movies no i like to go to museums more often before anyone gets the wrong gets the wrong idea i'm looking at you i do not like french new wave he was yeah. not referencing me. He actually it's violently actually hates it. I, I, like I don't Fresh hate it. Wave. I just don't see the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah experience other <laughs> other mediums. Experience those other genres or takes that you you may not necessarily like dislike, but you just haven't delved into because you can always find something. And inspiration is always just one second away. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna give French New Wave a try. I'm gonna give it a fifth <laughs> chance. I'm going to go back to it. Godard, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Maybe I just wasn't on I mean, Tumblr I used, at the I right used to time feel, I used to feel the way about Gallo films, Gallo films, and they're freaking great. Yeah. And then I watched, um, was it Bird? Yeah, I think it was Bird in the Crystal Plumage. And I was like, this is amazing. Or like uh, Deep Red. Mm-hmm. Eventually oh, I have to watch the Godard film that Daniel got me for... Christmas also, we're watching. And... Well, I hope you all know we're watching Argento. I'm down. Oh, only if y'all watch Itumama Tambien. Itumama Tambien. All right. Mm-hmm. All, right. Mm-hmm. all right, Summer. I guess you can go ahead and yeah, get us I'm out a, of here. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap. We up. all love this movie. Watch yeah. it. Watch, watch this movie five yeah, times. Yeah. It's incredible. Watch this movie. Watch it. watch it with family. Watch it with friends. Watch it with your dog. Yeah. This is a great Halloween watch movie. Watch it with your fundamentalist. You know, watch it with your the skeleton you bought from. If, India. if you're if you're not too big on scary films, this is great. This is like a nice mm-hmm. like yeah. little appetizer, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I uh, you know, if you do like scary films, well, this is this is just really nice. It's you're easy. in for a treat. You're in for a treat. It's great. Um, everything was just phenomenal. Um, I hope you'll have a wonderful night, a happy Halloween, uh, and I can't wait to see y'all soon. So. Um, this is Summer Rose signing out, and y'all have a wonderful night. Happy Halloween. All right, bye.